Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Anybody ready for some playoff hockey? What is up, Winnipeg? It is game day, Jets Vegas Golden Knights tonight in game number one of their playoff series. And we are locked and loaded here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Andrew Patterson with you along with Michael Remus. You can feel the energy around the city. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be a lot of fun. Cannot wait for puck drop tonight just after 8.30 Winnipeg time down at the T-Mobile Arena as the Jets and Vegas Golden Knights kick off their series in game number one. We have a packed show. Um, the Jets actually did skate quite early today. We've got Rick Bonus's comments from just the last little bit before going live here at 1 p.m. Central. So we'll get to that, get the latest on the Jets lineup or, well, the, the game time decisions, uh, according to the coach. Talk about that in just a minute as well as discuss a pretty wild night in the National Hockey League uh, Stanley Cup playoffs last night with four game ones, including two overtimes and a double overtime game to get to. Um, we've got a great lineup. As I mentioned, Mike Kelly from NHL Network, one of our favorites, going to jump on in the first segment, get his thoughts on Winnipeg Vegas as well as what we saw last night and a couple other series that begin tonight. And then Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, will join us from Sin City. We'll uh, get the latest on the club. He, of course, was at the morning skate, spoke with Brick Bonus today, and get Mike's thoughts on this upcoming series. And, well, with the puck dropping tonight between Winnipeg and Vegas, we'll talk a little bit about the visitors as well. Ken Bolke from Sin Bin Vegas covering the Vegas Golden Knights will also be on the program a little bit later on. We'll hit the cool bet lines and, uh, of course, discuss what happened last night in the NHL as well. So uh, all systems go on playoff hockey tonight. I hope you uh, maybe have a little napski after work or um, just make sure that you're able to uh, take it all in because it is a little bit of a later game tonight with it being in the Pacific time zone. But as uh, Minnesota and Dallas fans know, you don't need to be in the Pacific time zone to have a 8.30 or later start and then when it goes to double overtime, that can really make for a uh, short sleep cycle for uh, for fans of uh, teams that are playing in these. So uh, let's get it on. Great to have everybody with us. It's been some huge shows as of late with all the excitement around the hockey club and the upcoming playoffs. If you're just finding us for the first time, welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk. We're here every day, Monday to Friday, live on YouTube at 1 o'clock Central with the audio podcast available right around 3.30 Central in time for your drive home if you're working 8 to 4 or 9 to 5. You can find us as well wherever you get your favorite podcasts by searching Winnipeg Sports Talk and uh, pressing subscribe. Uh, just before I bring in Michael Remus, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at Cool Bet. Dusty's back. We just had a playoff edition of the Lock Shop. You can look for that on YouTube as well, at Lock Shop Bets. We'll let you know about a couple exclusives we've got over at CoolBat at the end of the program. Uh, of course, our friends at Princess Auto for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, Modern Man Barbershop, Wallace & Wallace, Nick & Nicky DQ, F Apparel, Vita Health, Consolidated Supply, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, 
Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club, and of course, our friends at Little Brown Jug. Probably a few LBJs being cracked tonight, right around 8.30 when the puck is about to drop. Let's get it going. Michael Remus, get in here. Are you ready to drop the puck or what? I'm ready, but I am going to need a little napski this afternoon. I'm tired, Huss. I stayed up watching both overtimes, had the two TVs set up, essential this time of year. Although when you're watching two overtimes at once, it's almost like watching no overtimes because you're watching back. <laughs> you're just like trying to watch two at once and you're kind of not really successful. But I put out a poll. Uh, did you stay up for the end of that double overtime? 69% of respondents said no. I stayed up. I said, look. I know I'm getting older, got two kids now, but I'm not so old that I'm going to bed during a Stanley Cup playoff overtime. So I watched uh, the you know I was watching the Oilers and the Wild, and I thought we were going to see like a five overtime with the way the goalies were playing with the Minnesota Dallas, oh. and we all hated seeing Ryan Hartman score. And you tweeted he shouldn't have even been playing in the game. If player safety had any balls, Huss, they would have suspended him for more than one game for his cheap shot on Nikolai Ehlers. But there he was, ending the game, and I was just happy I could go to bed, even though I did not like who scored it. I am I am legitimately triggered by this. I was triggered just seeing him playing in the game. I uh, And, like, I've always, you know, through it, like, I haven't had a big hate on for the Wild. I, I mean... It's been sort of a fun rivalry, you know, with the yes. fans going down there and them coming back and they're Minnesota nice. It's all good. But this wild team after, you know, I mean, they fed the Jets a few times. And then, of course, when the Jets did manage to beat them to clinch their spot in the playoffs, um, ended up with a bunch of bushly garbage from Dean Evison and his hockey club that I think rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And... You know, I, I'll just mention this, not to go back and dwell on it too much, but I was checking out some overdrive after our show yesterday, um, doing some work um, behind the scenes for WST, and they were talking about this. Jeff O'Neill said he could not believe that Hartman didn't get five games, and there was a comparison to a certain Rafi Torres hit that got 20 games in that conversation from some guys that know the game pretty well. So it's not just people in Winnipeg that were amazed that that was such a relative slap on the wrist for a clear attempt to injure and cheap shot on a star player of the Winnipeg Jets. All that being said, I was also extra choked because it cost us what would have been a beautiful start to the playoffs with our Cool Bet exclusive yesterday. But uh, enough about the Wild. Uh, we'll be getting into the Winnipeg Jets. That game was, though, uh, I'll tell you who was happy watching that game, Reem. Fans of the Colorado Avalanche and probably Avalanche. And listen, maybe we should be giving the Seattle Kraken a little bit more respect. I think most people, myself included, expect the Avalanche to move on through this series that'll get going tonight in Denver. But um, Minnesota and Dallas are beating the living hell out of each other. That was a physical, dirty, rough game no surprise um that's probably not going to surprise any winnipeg jet fan that watched that game last week um the hit from matt dumba on joe pavelski while ruled clean and i think technically probably was um a real violent reminder of what can happen in the playoffs and that's a huge huge loss for the stars um doesn't i can't imagine pavelski plays anytime soon in this series so it'll be the likes of Rupee Hints and Wyatt Johnson that are going to need to step up. But my takeaway from that game was 
absolutely brilliant goaltending. Gustafson was phenomenal. And I will give the Wild credit a number of their players for playing that desperate style of hockey you need to in the playoffs where you do anything and everything to get in front of the puck. There's a few what should have been sure goals that were saved, not by the goaltender, by other players. And the Minnesota Wild have a big, big win in the longest game in their franchise history. So that was a hell of a way to start the playoffs. And then in Edmonton, you had the Kings come back from 2-0 and 3-1 deficits in the third period, tying it up in the waning seconds with the goalie pulled and winning it in overtime. And uh, it was not a good scene in Edmonton. The amount of crap thrown on the ice afterwards by angry fans was um, maybe not what you'd expect or like to see in uh, game number one. They were quite displeased with some of the refing. Um but the bottom line is, we've talked about this all, and you made the great point. I mean, L.A., and we'll talk about this with Mike Kelly coming up. L.A., a really, really tough matchup, I think, for Edmonton as opposed to some of the teams that they could have played. Um, and this is not going to be a walkover by a team that was far and away the hottest team in the West for the last two, three uh, weeks of the season or months of the season. They're both very – I mean, the Oilers were hot since the deadline. I think the Kings were playing very well since the new year. And they played last year. They played during the season. The Kings always play them very tight. Uh, Connor McDavid zero points yesterday. Although he almost scored on would have would have been the play of the playoffs, where he just oh. skated through three players. It was obscene watching that and had a scoring chance. So I, I mean, I know the score sheet says zero, but I don't think it's indicative of how he played. Um, Edmonton. I mean, you got to hold on to that lead three one late in the third. And L.A., they're not going down easy. I still picked the Oilers. I didn't feel good. I wanted to go with the Kings, but uh, I did take the Kings last year, and I went to seven. Um, we'll see about what happens this year, but it's going to be a very, very tough physical series. So uh, that was that was great. Tough seeing fans, you know, throw stuff on the ice. That's kind of, you don't want to see that. But Oilers fans, uh, losing, they lost game one last year and still won the series, so... Uh, they got yeah. t- they got time. I think I think you can feel okay about how you played, but uh, you lost. And I did think it was a pen. I know the guy who uh, Darnay was all pissed off. Like, why are you swinging your stick around like like that when you get fall down? Like, what did he think was going to happen uh, on that play in overtime? So I thought that was a penalty. Although I know people will be upset that there was other stuff uh, that they let go. But I don't know how you don't call that when the guy's entering the zone and gets tripped up by a guy who's lying down. Uh, swinging his stick, Huss. So I thought that was, I don't think they had a choice then. Yeah, um, back to McDavid being held off the score sheet. Uh, McDavid only had three points against the Kings this season in their games. Um, and, and that, I'll say this about that Kings comeback. It was, it was not the way that you would expect them to win. I mean, their path to victory and God knows we saw this in that last game uh, at the uh, Crypto.com Arena when the Jets were in L.A. on that last West Coast road trip. Um, You know, if if they get a lead, a one or two goal lead, they are so difficult to to generate much against. Um, I didn't expect the path to victory would be for the Kings to come back from, you know, two goal deficits in the third period. Um, But that was the way that it went down, and it's a big, big confidence booster um, obviously, if you liked Edmonton before and you still believe it, it might be a good time to get a little wager in on them. We talked about that on the Lock Shop. You can check that out on the uh, YouTube page over at Lock Shop Bets if you haven't seen it before. 
Um, but anyways, big, big night. Nice wins early for the Carolina Hurricanes and a very tight one against the New, uh, the New York Islanders. And uh, the Boston Bruins looking every bit the part of that record-breaking team that, um, you know, set a new standard for uh, points in a season, wins, uh, all that, taking care of the Florida Panthers in a game that had a lot of bite to it as well. It really was a fun night to get things going for the Stanley Cup playoffs, Remo, and that was somewhat of an appetizer for the main event, which for uh, pretty much everybody watching this program is going to be just after 8.30 tonight in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah, 8.30 p.m. You know, they say it's at 8.30, but I think it's actually going to start like 8.50. They have the big pregame show in Vegas on the ice. And, you know, they got to make sure the 6 o'clock game has ended, which is the Toronto game. So uh, uh, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, 8.37. I know people... 8.37 is what they tell us. Okay, so, so we'll see. And I know people in Minnesota are all, and Dallas are all upset. Like, they're, they're our brothers in the central time zone. And they're mad about having home 8.30 starts. I don't know if that'll ever change, but it's funny. You know, Michael Russo, the, who writes for the Wild, or writes about the Wild for the Athletic, um, tweeting after, like, these 8.30 games, when they go to overtime, the arena is, you know, starts full and then starts emptying out. People aren't watching on TV, which is why you're having it late. So, um, I don't know, the games, yeah, your late starts are good for TV, but you're also having really late endings that a lot of people may not stay up for as... But 66% of people now it's, who it's answered so funny didn't stay how up. In the regular season, everyone's complaining. Why are all the games starting at the same time? And then in the playoffs, they stagger them. So we've got great games always going on there all night. And people are mad too. I mean, you'll never be able to satisfy everyone. I have absolutely no issues with where the Jets are playing these late games because, of course, they're going through the Pacific Division. But the Central Division is the one whose fans and teams have to do the most adapting uh, come playoff time. That being said, whatever time the game is on, I know Winnipeg Jet fans are going to be locked and loaded and ready to go. And that game is, uh, of course, tonight just after 8.30 our time. Um, but the Jets did practice earlier today, Reem, and Nikolai Ehlers was not out there um, waiting to hear on Ehlers' official status. And as we hear from Rick Bonus, uh, I don't think we're going to get very much from certainly the Jets coach on status of players until the puck drops. There was some good news, though. Stenny was back out there. Kevin Stenland did apparently skate in a regular jersey. But as we'll hear from Bones in a minute, uh, Ehlers and Stenland still game time decisions. And it sounds like it'll be Gus and uh, David Gustafson and Carson Kuhlman uh, potential adds to the lineup if need be. Yeah, and Bones is so old school. Like, he won't say. They're just day. I think he, everyone on the Jets is actually day-to-day until you see them on the lineup. But uh, he did. We'll play the clip. He said Ehlers was day-to-day. He skated yesterday in a regular jersey. Didn't skate today. I saw Ken saying, look, a lot of times Ehlers doesn't take the morning skate, so not a lot to see there. Um, I think the fact that he skated yesterday was good. I guess we'll have to see because it is a true game-time decision. That's what he said, but. I think he's going to be in. Maybe Mike will be able to, you know, Mike will be able to, you know, uh, shed some more light. But Ehlers said the other day he was good. He practiced, which was a, you know, check mark for me. And Stanley said he's good. It's up to Bones. And I think Bones just doesn't want to tip his hand. I don't know, like, what the difference is if your fourth line center is in or not. And you're going to have to put in the guy who scored uh, 
but zero goals in David Gustafson. But well, again, we'll see. At the we'll have to keep an eye out for warm up. I guess something to talk about here. Yeah, no, we certainly will get into that. Hey, let's do a why not question of the day for our friends over at uh, Not Autocorp uh, at Waverly and McGilvery. Um, and speaking of our pal Trevor Knott, actually was with Mike and Ken, and uh, shout out to Marshall Ferguson who uh, made the trip out from SoCal to Vegas and hooked up with the fellas last night. Very, je- very jealous that we're not there right now. Maybe we'll see what happens afterwards. Uh, but um, vibe check is in the chat. Um, how do we feel about this series, folks? How do you feel about Game One? How do you feel about the Jets' chances? Let us know in the chat right now. Oh, by the way, I see Matthew Jansen in the chat. Matthew, I'm not sure whether you were with us at the end of the program yesterday, but uh, loved one of your comments in the chat. We're going to be picking one every day throughout this week for uh, a BP gift card. So send us an email, Matthew, to winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com and just let me know what the closest BP is for you, and we'll get that arranged for you to uh, pick up in the next few days. Um, but listen, let's get to uh, get to the clips because the Jets did skate this morning. We'll have more from Mike McIntyre with boots on the ground in Vegas. But first things first, we need to know about Nikolai Ehlers. I picked him in my playoff pool last night. I am expecting him to play tonight. What did Rick Bonus have to say about Ehlers' status for this evening? Would he play at Coy? Well, here's what he had to say from just uh, in the last hour or so down in Vegas. A game time decision. It was, a, it was an optional this morning. Game time decision. Okay. As the same as Kevin. Kuhlman and Gustafson both came off. Would they, would they, there would be options if those two yep. previous players would not be... There are the, there are the two options. All right, so uh, there you have it. Bones, game time decision. I wonder if everyone's a game time decision at this point of the, uh, of the playoffs. Um, all hands on deck for this one. But as Ken just asked and clarified, it'll be David Gustafson and it sounds like Carson Kuhlman... That'll be the next up and in if another forward is needed. Um, Rick Bonus talked as well about how they uh, tried to maintain their end to the season momentum during this uh, brief break, including that final game of the season where a number of the uh, top players on the Winnipeg Jets sat out. Well, we had to address, uh, we had to take a lot of look at a lot of video of Vegas, obviously. Uh, some of the practices, drills were designed to uh, to work against what they're, they're going to try to do. So, um, we, again, but it always comes back to us and making sure that we're playing our game. So we, we kept the focus as much as we could on that. Had a detail with the players exactly what, how they how they play, and we also kept emphasizing is more importantly how we play. And we have to play our game, and we're at our best when we're we're skating and we're aggressive, and that's our mindset going into the game. You know, it's an interesting one. I mean, I'm not at all surprised that they would have spent plenty of time focusing in on video and you know key matchups, things that the coaches will be wanting to uh, wanting to do based on what Vegas does. But at the end of it all, Remo, Rick Bonus wants his team to put their best foot forward and be the best version of the Winnipeg Jets, the one that has played some phenomenal games this year and beat some great teams. And I think that the belief in that room has to be, and I'd imagine in the fan base, that if the Winnipeg Jets can go out and be their best, have Connor Hellebuck play his best, that they've got a great chance to win tonight and win this series and move on to round two. We're going to talk about it with Mike Kelly later. 
how, look, the Jets, yeah, they're the eighth seed, but they were in first place, you know, through January there. And you know they have great players. And when they were having that slump, their best players were not being their best players. We talked so much about Adam Lowry, who had the scoring drought, Mark Scheifele, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. It seemed like everyone was going cold at the same time. Kyle Connor, and they had this uh, homestand here where they played great. They got back to their game, and I think if you're not picking the Jets, maybe it's because you're just not sure if we're going to see the Jets that played the last two, three weeks during that homestand or the Jets from that slump between January and March. Uh, we do know for sure, I mean, there's no doubt that the Jets have the better goalie, but it's going to be up to the players to help support Connor Hellebuck because we know he can't do it on his own, although he has done it on his own at, at times. It's definitely happened. Uh, hey, quick uh, thank you to Markian Duplack in chat with the nice little super chat. Appreciate that, Markian. Jets split in Vegas equals good chance of winning the series. I, I, I'm with you, uh, Markian. I, I think that... You know, if this team can get a win tonight to get off to a great start or at least come back with a split, um, the atmosphere will be cranked up even more than it already will be at Canada Life Center on Saturday afternoon and late on Monday night. And uh, that certainly, to me, is the path to victory, getting off in a good start in this series and, um, and, and you know, kind of building off that momentum that the Winnipeg Jets put together with their backs against the wall with their play at the end of the regular season. By the way, great to see everyone out here. You can tell the playoff excitement is around. We're pushing 500 this early in the program. If you haven't already, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up. Let's see if we can get that to 200 right off the bat. Uh, very simple and uh, just helps us spread the channel. Let's more people and Jet fans find out what we're doing here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, Bones talked a little bit more about that momentum that this team built in the last few weeks and you know his thoughts on the way they played their way out of that hole that saw them on the verge of losing that playoff spot they'd held for pretty much the entire year. The, the last, yeah, the last couple of weeks have been much better, and we, because of that, we created a lot more offensive opportunities, and we scored some very timely goals. And when things didn't go our way, we got some very timely saves, which we're going to need both of those. And in a series like this, you need those timely goals, and uh, and we're not going to control every minute of play out there. They're an excellent hockey club. They're the number one team in the conference. So uh, when things aren't going away our way, we are going to bend a little bit. Don't break. Um, and they're going to need some big saves from Connor, no question. All right, so there's Rick Bonus on uh, the way his team played at the end of the season and uh, hoping to uh, duplicate that and maybe take it up even another level against a hell of a good Vegas uh, Golden Knights team that uh, certainly earned that number one spot in the Western Conference. Now, as we talked about last night, uh, or coming out of last night, um, you know, a lot of rough stuff in a number of the series. Um Pretty much everyone had plenty of scrums. I mean, far more. It was just a perfect example of just how different National Hockey League Stanley Cup playoff hockey is than what you see in that 82-game regular season. And while Ryan Reeves might not still be a member of the Vegas Golden Knights, this team, formerly under Peter DeBoer, now under Bruce Cassidy, certainly plays with bite and with an edge and will be there to um, match and to challenge the Winnipeg Jets physically. Um, Rick Bonus was asked if he's expecting some fireworks tonight and in this series after watching everything that transpired in game one of the playoffs last night. Well, we don't want to take early penalties. We certainly don't want to do that. Uh, the second penalty Florida took last night hurt them. 
all of a sudden they're down one nothing they, they were playing well so we want to be aggressive but we want to be intelligent about our play uh, we, we want to stay disciplined and uh, the, the last thing we want to do tonight is take early penalties but if we're skating and we're moving the puck north and making good puck management decisions going through the neutral zone then we'll, we'll reduce the chances of taking those penalties What's the best way to handle emotion from the first game like this? Is it an individual basis each guy does it differently? Yeah it is and listen, they're going to be nervous no matter what you do no matter how many games you've played in this league and how many cups you've won that first period of a playoff series everyone's nervous and you just got to play your way through it and uh, and get into the flow of the game and I read some comments from the Bruins they were nervous last night and look at the season they had so everyone, everyone tonight on both teams is going to be nervous and you just have to play your way through it I'll say this about what Bones just mentioned about those nerves um I think the Jets are almost used to that. Yeah, maybe it'll be different, and probably it is. I'll give the coach the, the nod on that. It's a little different when the stakes are as high as they are in the playoffs. But, I mean, anyone that was in the building for the Detroit game, the New Jersey game, Calgary game, I mean, these games down down the stretch where the Jets were playing for their playoff lives, I think could feel that level of nerve, certainly in the building, but at times within the club as well. Um, you'd certainly hope from a Jets standpoint that that prepares them even more for the incredible challenge that awaits tonight at the T-Mobile Arena. Um, one of the keys for the Winnipeg Jets to you know, succeed in this series is going to be you know, certainly getting away from the perimeter, getting the puck into those high-danger scoring chance areas, which, as we talked with Gary, uh, teams have not been very successful doing as of late. Um but the other thing is getting the puck out, moving it efficiently, managing the puck well, and getting it out of their zone. And that will be a big challenge for the Jet defense in particular in handling the Vegas forecheck. Um, Rick Bonus was asked about what are the keys for the Jets when it comes to beating the Vegas forecheck, which is such a big part of their identity. Play fast as fast as we can. Uh, you know when you do that, you, you're deep. Got to get back. Your forwards got to get back and help out. Make that first up pass. Don't be looking for second or third uh, options. We have to make that first option and go. And then once we get going north, keep going. Uh, you know we don't want to. We a lot of east to west plays early in the through the neutral zone. Uh, we just want to play as fast as we can and take what they give us. All right, so there's Rick Bonus from uh, Post Morning Skate today. Ehlers, Stenland, officially game time decisions. Ehlers did not skate this morning. It wasn't optional. Kevin Stenland was out there in a regular contact jersey. Ehlers did practice yesterday with the club. So fingers crossed this is just the coach being coy, and the Jets will have their full lineup tonight when the puck drops just after 8.30. Mike Kelly of the NHL Network, one of our favorites, coming up in just a second. Looking forward to getting his thoughts on the playoffs overall, as well as Winnipeg, Vegas, and who he thinks is going to come through in that one. Just before we bring in Mike, <clears throat> a big thanks to one of our newest sponsors, Modern Man Barbershops, who are now open with eight locations in Winnipeg. Two new locations as well, gang, on Pemina Highway, right close to Bishop Grand and, and the University. And out on the east side of the city, <clears throat> new one on Plessy Road. Modern Man Barbershop's phenomenal, and they offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look and an appointment at modernmanbarber.com. 
or follow them on Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops at Modern Man Barbershops. Um, listen, it's spring right now. It feels like the playoffs, but you know, spring doesn't last very long and then summer's going to be here. Why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge and visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. The Aquatech team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. Um, and Aquatech has done thousands of renovations. And with that, with their foundation, let them upgrade any space in your home as well with whole home renovations starting at Aquatech. Aquatech's ready to make your reno dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech. Dot CA. Well, we'll see what the battery is like in the Jets as they begin a game one of the playoff series tonight. One place I know has the battery for literally everything is Manitoba Battery down at 1026 Logan Avenue. Um, as we switch seasons and you start working on maybe those summer toys, getting ready for the summer, whether it be uh, boats and sleds, well, not sleds, hopefully the sleds are put away, um, skidoos, golf carts and more manitoba battery literally is the source for every kind of battery you could possibly need all at the best price in town and they'll save you time and money by delivering it to you anywhere citywide at a better price than you get anywhere else in town that's right no more fighting for a parking spot at costco or waiting in line in canadian tire shop local and let manitoba battery bring the battery to you at the best prices in town you can give Donnie and his staff a call at 204-783-8787. Order online at manitobabattery.com or give them a visit in person down at 1026 Logan Avenue. And uh, a big cheers to our friends at Canadian Club, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey and also the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Looking for maybe something a little different than beers tonight? Well... CC is always there for you, but how about the Canadian Club and Ginger Ale? It's now available in set 473 milliliter cans at Manitoba Liquor Marts and at beer vendors. And we're counting down the days till we can enjoy a few CC and Gingers at IG Field, watching the blue and gold this season. Canadian Club and Ginger Ale available at beer vendors and CC, Canada's favorite, available at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, Mike McIntyre coming up in a few minutes, joining us live with the latest on the Jets prior to game one tonight in Las Vegas. Right now, though, let's welcome in Mike Kelly from the NHL Network for his thoughts on night one of the playoffs and the Jets' chances against the Vegas Golden Knights. Mike, what's up? What did you think of game one? It was a good first night. I wish, you know, maybe the two East Coast games had gone to overtime instead of the uh, West games, but uh, made the morning a little early, but it, it's awesome. I mean, it's just the best time of year, and uh, you see the intensity level ramp up in the games. The games are different, and uh, a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, I, I we can go any which way you want, but... Uh, you know, Minnesota winning that game the way that they did and the Kings with the comeback they had, super impressive. You know, I, I think that people that must have been the happiest would be uh, Colorado Avalanche folks. Um, now, listen, maybe we're granting them the, the first round a little premature, so maybe it'll be Seattle, but I, I don't know what's going to be left of the Dallas Stars or Minnesota Wild after this series if they play at the pace and the rate that they did last night. That was a... Uh, and that was as physical as you'll see a game. It was dirty at times. And, um, man, the emotions were cranked up to 11. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. If you're Colorado, if you're anybody, you don't want Minnesota. They're big, they're heavy, they're mean. Um, whether they win the series or not, they're going to take a chunk out of you no matter who you are. So that's what Colorado gets to avoid. Um, you know, in, in terms of the the physicality in that series, like that, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. We saw, obviously, the Dumba hit on Pavelski, and, and you wish uh, Pavelski all the best um, given the state that he left the ice in they're not going to forget you, you can't go out and, and just, you know, go seek retribution and, and not worry about the score of the game and winning games. That's most important, obviously, but those guys are going to get their licks in um, on the Dallas side as well when they can. And they've got a lot of guys that can do it. So it'll be fun. Well, one of the other things about that Dallas Minnesota game before we move on was the fact that Ryan Hartman scored the winner in double OT. And I can tell you, there's a lot of people here in Winnipeg, myself included, that thinks it's a joke that he was even playing in game one of the playoffs, considering that cheap shot he did on Nikolai Ehlers in the 81st game of the regular season. Yeah. I, I think that uh, if that's the opinion of some Jets fans, they're, they're definitely entitled to it and, and they might be right. Um, I thought it was going to be more personally. It wasn't. Now, again, you always have to consider while well, the playoffs are coming and missing playoff games is different than regular season games when it comes to the supplemental discipline. So um, I'm sure that was a consideration, but I wouldn't blame Jets fans for thinking that way. Uh, Mike, what did you make of the Edmonton LA game? Um, Edmonton up pretty much the entire game. LA coming back with three in the third, tying it with 16 seconds left and then winning in overtime. Um, Edmonton had been incredible in um, the final half of the season. I mean, right there with the Boston Bruins since January 1st. And yet they find themselves now down 0-1. And um, you could just feel the tension of their uh, fans. Many of them not very well behaved, for the record, at the end of the game. But um, that's a tough way to start a series when now uh, hopes are so high. Certainly is. Um, you know, I'll give credit to L.A., first of all, for the comeback and what they did. Um, Arvidsson had a good game. Kempe uh, had a great game. Um, Kopitar had a great game as well in, in some areas. So... Credit there, but that's a game that Edmonton threw out the window. And Edmonton should have won it. They were the better team throughout the game. They controlled the pace of the game. Um, they certainly had it, given the score, 3-1, and, and leading by a goal in the last minute as well. They let that one slip away. So the good news for L.A. is regardless of what happens in Game 2, you're going home at least with a split against a team, like you said, has been so hot. Like, that's that's a win. They have a chance to go home up 2 nothing. So... Uh, that's a huge, huge momentum swing in that series uh, that just started. But that really should have been Edmonton's game to win, and they didn't do it. Um, I'll give the Kings a lot of credit as well. The They did a great job collectively of slowing Connor McDavid down. I know he didn't have any points, and I'm sure the first question a lot of people are going to be asking is, well, what happened to McDavid in game one? He had a great game. He still had a great game. You know, puck possession was exactly what it's been all year in the offensive zone. He had a couple looks off the rush. He had those quality shots from the slot that were either in line or above his season averages. He wasn't bad, um, but at the end of the day, he wasn't able to capitalize. And there were a lot of rushes where McDavid came in that the Kings did a great job keeping him to the outside. So you can't stop him. You can only try to limit him. The Kings did limit him, and, and then you cross your fingers and hope pucks don't go in the net. Um, Leon Dreisaitl, his line was the best in the game for the Oilers by far. They were terrific. So we'll see going into game two what happens, but in large, I think if Edmonton plays the way they did in game one, they'll be successful. They just threw that one out the window. Uh, Mike, these teams went the distance last year in the playoffs. They know each other quite well. Is this a uniquely 
tough first round matchup for the Oilers as opposed to maybe some of the other teams in the West? Absolutely. This is not a good first round matchup for the Oilers. Um, and when you think about who they could have played, uh, you, we're not going to write Vegas off or look past Vegas. They were the best team in the Western Conference this year. Beyond that, any other team they could have played would have been a better matchup for them, in my view. Uh, the Kings, they're going to struggle to score in this series, especially without Kevin Fiala. Uh, we saw so much of their offense in game one, their chances coming from either Kopitar or um, Kempe. And Arvidsson was good too. He had some looks. Um, but that's where a lot of their chances came from. You go beyond that, like there's other guys that can score, but it's there's not a lot of great offensive talent there. Fiala's such a game-breaker for them. They win with defense, and that's what they're going to do to the Oilers is try to jam them up and, and win a type of game that we saw played last night. So the other thing I'd keep an eye on as well is in the season series, and we talk about Edmonton having the best power play ever recorded. In the season series, the Kings had four power play goals. The Edmonton Oilers had two. And then last night, it was 2-1 LA. So somehow they're winning that special teams battle as well. Yeah, that's not something I think many people had on their playoff round one bingo card. That's for sure. Mike Kelly, the NHL Network's with us. Well, let's get to the uh, home team here in the peg, the Winnipeg Jets. And just before we talk about the matchup with the Vegas Golden Knights, Mike, I'm interested in your perspective on where the Jets are right now as a team. Um, they had that great, unexpected first few months of the season they had two months where they were, I mean, well, by record among the worst teams in the National Hockey League and seemed to come together when they had to late in the season to propel themselves into the playoffs. Um, it, it, it's been a really weird path, but here they are. Um, what do you make of the Winnipeg Jets finishing up the regular season? And could the way they finished the year maybe help them early on in this series against Vegas? I think so. Um, th that's been the interesting part about watching this team this year is that there was a time, you know, around the midway point of the season when they were first place in the West. Forget the division. They were the first place team in the Western Conference. And like you said, they went completely off a cliff. And some of their star players stopped playing like star players. And, and that was a problem. And Rick Bonus made public comments about it. He sat guys at different times. He ultimately changed lines. That has worked really well. So, now they're starting to play a little bit more like that team that we saw earlier in the season. And that's a good thing for Winnipeg. That's why I don't view them as a true eight seed. Uh, it's in fact why I've gone as far as to pick them to win the series against Vegas. I think they can. So, you know, not only has the, the top line, the loaded up top line um, of Dubois and Shifley and Connor been good, but the Wheeler and Ehlers and Nemesnikov line has been really good. So that top six can go up against anybody. But um, their D's good. They've got the better goalie in the series, and I would say a top three goalie in the league this season. So I think there's a lot there. There's a path to victory for Winnipeg here. Again, Vegas is a, a top team, uh, very good defensively, had a great you know second half of the season as well, post-trade deadline, all of that. Um, and Mark Stone's coming back. So it won't be easy, but when you talk about a one versus an eight, this isn't a one versus an eight to me. That Winnipeg's better than that. They play better than that, and they are playing better than that right now. And, you know, I mean, from a Jets perspective, when we kind of focus on those top two lines, I mean, I have to admit, I think it was Adam Lowry that really put the team on his back at times in that third line, especially after the changes with, you know, a guy that scores 20-25 every year consistently in Niederreiter that can play physically, playing with Lowry. I mean, he's been big. But those top two lines, um, the different look – 
has been that sort of jolt of energy they needed. The second line is unique because, I mean, I don't think anyone had Nemetsikov playing 2C when he was acquired at the deadline. Um, but Blake Wheeler's look better, and it gives Nikolai Ehlers the opportunity to truly be the offensive catalyst of that line. And it's strange. At times, he didn't gel very well with Mark Scheifele or Pierre-Luc Dubois for whatever reason. And now you've got all those guys on that top line. And Mark Scheifele, maybe with less defensive responsibilities, playing on the wing. Um, you know, were you surprised at how it worked after the changes? Or is this something that coaches kind of pull out of their bag when um, the old, uh, in case of emergency, break glass theory? And there definitely was an emergency here in Winnipeg <laughs> before those lines came together. Yeah, a ton of credit goes to the coaching staff, no question about it. And I don't think we should be shocked that Dubois, Connors, and uh, Shifley are working. Uh, Connor, I should say, and Shifley are working. And, you know, when Shifley got sad, I think it was against Carolina, right? And uh, and uh, he got benched uh, in a portion of the game. And his next 10 games or so were not good. Cool. Like across the board, there's a metric that that we have here that we've created that just evaluates a player based on his game and overall number, right? A lot of little inputs go into that. Some of his worst games of the year came in that stretch of 10 games after he got sat. Um, so it was completely justified uh, to make a decision like this. And I think, again, that's where you take away some of that defensive responsibility, like you talked about. And he's an incredible playmaker. We know he can score 40 plus. He's a great goal scorer. Let him do that. And and let other guys worry about you know some other areas of the ice where he doesn't have to cover as much. It's worked out really well. Um, the thing that surprised me the most is, like you said, how good that Nemesnikov Wheeler and Ehlers line has been. Like I, I haven't looked at this at the last week of the season or so, but I was going through this towards the end of the season, just looking at you know their impacts on the ice. They they had been on at one point for seven goals and none against, um, playing really really well. So. And then you talk about a very physical, good third line that you can put up, I think, about uh, up against just about anybody. They're, they're positioned pretty well. Now, Vegas is going to throw a lot of, of problems at Winnipeg. Uh, I'm interested, interested to see how the Jets are able to defend, especially in the defensive zone, um, against a Vegas team that can whip it around really well and has a lot of really good offensive talent. Winnipeg at the start of the year, they were fine defensively which is better than they've been in recent years where they've been bad defensively. If they can do that again, they'll have a chance, but we just, you know, it's hard to know what you're going to get exactly when it comes to team defense. Bruce Cassidy seems to win 50 games, no matter where he is. Um, and they got it done. And I mean, credit where credit is due. This is the number one team in the Western conference. They did it without their captain, Mark Stone for half the year. Yeah. And they did it with a carousel of goaltending. Um, what, what are the keys to the Vegas Golden Knights attack and what has made them the the number one team and the number one seed hosting the Winnipeg Jets tonight when you look back at their body of work overall, Mike? Yeah, they're incredibly stingy defensively. So it, it, that's where you can get away with having a rotating cast of goalies and still be successful. And, and that comes from Cassidy's days in Boston as well. I think what you've seen out of the Bruins this year is they they've, haven't gotten away from that, but they've opened things up offensively a bit more. I think they felt they were a little bit restricted in what they could do because the focus was so much on defense. Um, that's what Jim Montgomery's done. Bruce Cassidy still is preaching that style of game, but in Vegas, and they don't allow a lot at all. So it's going to be difficult for Winnipeg to generate offense against that team. And then, yeah, you've got Laurent Brossois, who's at a great stretch down uh, – towards the end of the season. He's played really well, but again, he's also helped by that 
really, really good team defense. That'll be the battle for Winnipeg trying to get through that. Um, and that's how, like, similar to how Boston overcame some key injuries at the start of the season, how Vegas at times can overcome some key injuries as well. When you have smart players that are committed to playing really good team defense and then building out your offense from there, you can win a lot of games. You know, Colorado's done the same thing this year with all the injuries they've had. Their offense is down a little bit. All their defensive key stats are basically what they were last year when they won the Cup. So win that first, worry about the offense second. Um, Vegas, really hard to create offense against. That'll be that'll be a challenge for the Jets. Well, and, and Mike, I mean, you mentioned earlier that um, you've actually went so far as to pick the Jets. Um, listen, they are a underdog, but not a massive underdog. And looking at, you know, all sorts of different models when they put these two teams together, more often than not, at least models are showing that this is basically a pick em. Um why is that? It's a good question. Uh, the model that I use, uh, Sport Logic, we've got Vegas at sixty-two percent, so that that okay. is a significant advantage. Um, but but again, I talked about this with the Carolina Islanders series as well, where you're looking at a season's body of work, right? You can't evaluate the Carolina Hurricanes on what they've been all year because they're missing Sveshnikov and they played five hundred hockey for the last month and a half. Um, now they look good and they won the first game of that series, but I think it's tighter than 60 plus percent, which we have it at this series to me, there's a little bit of that in there where Winnipeg has been playing a lot better very recently, whether that translates or not, we'll see They they clearly have the advantage in goal. They're not as good defensively as Vegas. Um, their top six, top nine, whatever you want to call it, I, I think is pretty darn close. So you start to, you start to look at it that way. It gets tighter and tighter. Now, all things being equal, look, if I had to bet my my house and my nice little bookcase here um, on a team to win this series, I would probably pick Vegas. But I think there's enough there as an underdog to be confident that the Jets have a real shot at winning this series. And the one thing I looked at as well is over the last 10 years in the first round, 40% of low seeds win the series. So roughly three teams that are the lower seed in the first round this year, if you do the math, should win the series. So then you got to figure out which of those three are likeliest to do it. And that's how I kind of went about the exercise myself. And statistically, the odds, everything I talked about before, Winnipeg, no, they are not one of those closer ones that, that seems positioned to do it. But I just think there's enough there that's similar and even tilts in Winnipeg's favor that, that they've got a real shot at it. Mike Kelly, NHL Network is with us, getting ready for game one tonight between the Golden Knights and the Winnipeg Jets in Las Vegas. You mentioned Connor Hellebuck, and uh, I think uh, all any confidence the Jet fans have about what their team's able to do in the playoffs starts with the guy in net. Um, goes though saying that he'll need to be brilliant and need to be the best goaltender. But mm. outside of the net, if the Jets are going to win, what do you see as the keys to victory for the Winnipeg Jets to escape this seven-gamer and move on to round two? Uh, I think they've got to find a way to get inside in meaningful scoring areas against a Vegas team defense, but defense core as well that is not shy to be physical and is tough to get inside on. That, that's something I'll be watching. Like, I don't want to, if I'm a Winnipeg Jets fan, I don't want to see Winnipeg skating around the O-zone and, and rotating their D and their forwards and, and working the puck in the perimeter a lot, but not getting it into the middle. Vegas will give you that a little bit. Um and having that ozone time is not a great reflection of creating offense. It, it'll help you actually defensively because you're never going to give up a goal that way. But 
they need to find a way to make whatever ozone time they create, and they're really good at it, meaningful. So no empty calories. That's, I think, going to be uh, a focus for the Jets. Their, their ozone possession numbers are high. Um, they, they know how to get the puck and work it in the offensive zone. But can you get inside to the net front, create quality looks uh, against Vegas? That'll be that'll be huge in this series. Mike, uh, this has been awesome. Hey, just before we go, i got to quickly ask you about the uh, two series that get going in the East tonight. Um, I, I just came back from a week in Toronto, and it was hilarious talking to people. It was as if hockey wasn't even existing. They were happy with the Blue Jays. The weather was beautiful. Yeah. But you knew, come wake up today, everyone is on pins and needles. There's pressure on that hockey club, unlike any team in the NHL, just to get out of the first round uh, and they got to go back up against a team that is uh, has been the standard, really, in the Eastern Conference for the last number of years. Uh, break this down for us. Um, the Leafs, can they get it done? And uh, how difficult will it be to escape uh, being a Tampa team that always seems to find a way to win? Yeah, it'll be tough. And, you know, I don't know with Leaf fans whether they're incredibly smart or incredibly not, because I get the sense that they're all really confident, which (laughs) if you go back to the end of the playoffs on the first round last year when they lost, they were all saying, that's it. I'll never believe again. I've had it. I can't do it anymore. And I talk to the Leaf fans now and they're like, oh, they're feeling great. Um, now they've turned over some of the roster and, and you know what? They should feel great. Honestly, they are smart hockey fans. And I think they know that this team's really good. So the last six years, Toronto has been in the playoffs. I have picked against them every year. I've picked Boston to beat them. I picked Tampa to beat them. I picked Columbus. I picked Montreal to beat them. I have not loved the playoff type teams that they've built in years past. And I've seen pass to victory for their opponents every time. Um, this is the first year I picked Toronto to win. And a lot of it is to do with the moves that they've made. Um, And and I think they are better and they are more balanced and they are more ready to win in in the playoffs. And the core that's been there forever, they've been through enough at this point. Uh, I think they kind of know what it's going to take. And equally, Tampa Bay is not the team they were last year or the two years before that. And um, I think Toronto's got a sizable speed advantage in this series. Tampa Bay, I don't think can play at the pace that Toronto can. That's off the rush, but that's also the forecheck. I would watch in this series for Toronto to forecheck, cause turnovers, score goals uh, in that way. Um, so I, I think they, they should win, and they will win, likely. Same time, everything you talked about, the pedigree, Tampa Bay, they've got all their big guys still, and they're some of the best in the world. Um, so it's going to be fun to watch. Well, and the pressure, I mean, as I said, I, and, and Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, I mean, I don't know whether there's two players in the entire Stanley Cup playoffs that have more riding on this series and more on their shoulders than those two yeah. when the puck drops tonight. You know, we here in the West don't see as much of the Metropolitan Division regularly. Um, New Jersey's been such a great story this season. I don't know how many people had them winning the playoffs and making the playoffs, never mind putting up 50-plus wins. We saw them here in Winnipeg for the first time a couple weeks ago, and you know the Jets were really good that night and you know took care of business, but there was a few players that stood out to me. This Jesper Bratt, I mean, what a dynamic player he is, and obviously Jack Hughes has turned into the superstar that they thought they were getting when they picked him number one. But then New York, I mean, you've got Kane and Tarasenko and, of course, just Sturkett in net, which um, is sort of that hellebuck factor that, you know, the Winnipeg Jets have. Uh, break this down for us. The Battle of the Hudson, Jersey and the Rangers. Um, Jersey has home ice. They're a little bit of a favorite, but uh certainly seems like this one could go either way. How do you see it, Mike? 
This was the last series that I put a pick in for. I just, I kept going back and forth and uh, I don't know how you can like it. So Jersey, everything you mentioned, right? They are fast. They play incredibly fast and they force turnovers. They're gone. The, they get the puck in the D zone. Their forwards are gone. Everything they do is quick. And it has given the Rangers a ton of problems in the season series. Jersey won three of the four games. Odd man rushes were 31 to nine in favor of New Jersey. Uh, rush chance, all that. The, the Rangers couldn't handle their speed. So playoffs can be a little bit different. And New York is certainly going to try to take that away. Rangers are one of the best teams in the league at getting the puck in the offensive zone and working it around and creating offense that way. It's a real contrast between the two teams. So it's a cliche, but if one team can dictate its style of play over the other, that's likely the team is going to win because they are different enough in that sense. Um, then you've got Shesterkin. Vanacek's been terrific this year. He's been great. We know what Shesterkin is. Um, so that should be an advantage for the Rangers. It, it's going to be fascinating. Like Nico Hischier, for me, should be on Selkie ballots this year, and he should be a finalist this year. Vanacek's a very good defensive center as well, and he can score. So uh, you, you can go kind of one uh, back and forth with the other in terms of just how this whole thing matches up. Um, I, I'm interested. The biggest thing I'm watching for game one can the Rangers slow New Jersey down? If they can do that, they got a great shot. If they can't do that, they are in big trouble. Hey, last one for you. Um, New York's been there. They've got a lot of experienced players. They went to the conference finals last year. Jersey hasn't been there in a while. Uh, is there a metric? Uh, how much could, should we put into experience? Um, does that really matter? And if it does, how much? Look, I, I haven't played in the league and I've talked to a lot of players at the NHL network when I'm working there. I asked them all these questions. Um, I don't think in this situation, it should matter that much. And like, I, there, there's guys that have played in the league that I talked to at the network all season that, you know, didn't think Jersey would start well and they did. And then, okay, well, let's see how they do when we get into the middle of the season. And, you know, you, you, you start to get in the grind of the season. All well, they kept winning. Well, let's see how they do at the end of the season when things get a little tighter and tougher, whatever. They kept winning. Why would I think that New Jersey is is all of a sudden going to shy away from the spotlight and run into any of those kind of issues that, that might occur when you're inexperienced? Young and dumb. Like, that's the saying, right? Just They, they don't know any better. They're going to go and they're going to play their style of game. And it's been effective all year. And it's been really effective against the Rangers. So I'd be shocked if in the first round in this series, we saw any tightening of the sticks on the New Jersey side. And all of a sudden, they just didn't look like themselves. Um I don't know, maybe you get to a conference final, a cup final, that microscope, you know, really dials in. Uh, maybe it shows more then would be my thought. I'd be surprised if we see it here. Mike, this has been so great. I know how busy you are right now at playoff time. We really appreciate you jumping on with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And I can tell you your pick of the Jets is inspiring confidence throughout the province of Manitoba and the Jets Nation going into game one tonight. It should be great. All the best to you and the fam. Thanks so much for doing this. and We'll talk soon. Hey, you as well. Always love talking to you guys. We'll do it anytime. And uh, if I'm worth my salt, we'll be talking about the Jets' second-round opponent, right? Cheers, Mike. All right, great stuff with Mike Kelly. Hey, uh, actually, we will be able to see a little bit more NHL Network stuff now that uh, hey, I took care of uh, – well, took care of him. Ended Tim and Friends and uh, Jackie Redmond. And I uh, can have a couple hours of NHL Network stuff that's not normally available here in Canada – now on Sportsnet, so hopefully you get a little bit more Mike Kelly, uh, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, we're going to be heading to Vegas in just a second and welcoming in Mike McIntyre 
from the Winnipeg Free Press. <clears throat> Before we do that, got to thank our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. A great family-owned company, owned and operated since 1936 with great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products too. Uh, guys, if you had your healthy fats today, yeah, there is such a thing. Omega-3 fatty acids are beneficial for your skin, brain, joint, and heart health. That's where Health First Omega Supreme comes in. Get your healthy fats the easy way with this one-a-day soft gel, and it's on sale all month at Vita Health Fresh Market. Vita Health, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. Well, the spring cleaning is just about done, and it's moving on to uh, getting some work done. And Wallace and Wallace is busy, busy taking care of uh, fencing and overhead door needs for Manitobans as they've done for so long. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence, or if winter's done a number on your old one, give them a call. They've got vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. Definitely the right fence for you. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Call Wallace and Wallace at 452-2700. Their team will arrange to, uh, a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. How's the closet looking, fellas, as we head into spring and summer? Well, hopefully you pulled the whites out for Saturday and Monday at Canada Life Center. When we're thinking about your menswear, F Apparel has everything you need, including custom suits made to fit starting at just 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. F Apparel's got a 15% discount for wedding parties for this summer. If you've got a 2023 grad, get the young man a new custom suit, and F Apparel will throw in a free custom shirt and tie valued at around $150. Pop down and see him, F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown, and make an appointment at F, that's EPHapparel.com. And uh, hey, if you're uh, if you're staying at home tonight, or maybe killing some time before we drop the puck in Vegas tonight, why not pop by one of the four Nick and Nicky DQs? Get a playoff blizzard and uh, maybe a stack burger as well. Uh, four locations for uh, Nick and Nicky DQs. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's. The best selection of ice cream treats around, unbelievable food options. And if you need a DQ ice cream cake or blizzard cake for an upcoming event, maybe a playoff watch party, they'll do it up for you as you need. Custom made. Hit them up on Instagram if you'd like at DQ Manitoba, and they'll be able to get that sucker made up just as you like it for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. All right, back down to Vegas we go. And we welcome in Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. Mike, what's going on? How are you? Doing great, Huss. Just walked back to the hotel here uh, down the strip a bit. It's uh, sizzling, I think, 25, 26 degrees out right now. Saw a few Jets fans uh, gathering in the area of T-Mobile. I suspect there'll be quite a few more. Met some uh, at one of the... Uh, the local establishments here last night, uh, some Jets fans, some of your fans actually in town here, Huss, big fans of the show. Shout out to all those folks, uh, uh, many of who will be at the game tonight. Um, and yeah, there's a there's a buzz around, uh, well, around the 
Jets, of course, uh, around this city. There's always a buzz around this kind of just in the in the air. Honestly, Husk, I don't know about you. I have no idea what to expect tonight. Just absolutely none. Um, the Jets could come out and, and look terrific. They might come out and, and stink the place out. I mean, I, I have no idea. And part of that is because we kind of saw a whole bunch of different Jets teams over the course of, of the season. Yeah, uh, well, obviously, and I mean, I think we're all hoping, or at least people that are, uh, you know, pulling for Winnipeg, is that we'll see more of the team that found their way late in the season in the nick of time before uh, sort of wasting away um, everything that they'd earned earlier in the season. That being said, as you mentioned, Mike, none of that matters. Once you drop the puck in game one of a best-of-seven playoff series, you can throw the playoff seedings out the window. You can throw everything that happened during 82 games because it is a fresh start. Um, But it is a fascinating matchup between two teams that really haven't played at any point in 2023. And two of the three games played was Big Save Dave and not Connor Hellebuck, who, of course is going to be the center of attention along with his former battery mate in Loren Brassois. But just before we get to breaking down the series and some of your thoughts on both sides of things, um, you were there today. We heard from Rick Bonus. Um, what was the atmosphere like around the Winnipeg Jets as they uh, you know, had an optional skate this morning? And, um, I mean, you've been covering this team basically day in and day out all year long. Um, you'd be as good as anyone to describe kind of what you uh, got from uh, – the vibe check, if you will, of this team uh, going into uh, puck drop tonight. Yeah, I, I would describe it as a as a quiet confidence. Hus, uh, I was yesterday was interesting because I actually was at both practices. Uh, managed to to dash from T-Mobile to get out to the Vegas facility in Summerlin, and I'll say this: there was a noticeable difference in the two practices in terms of. Um, not the energy, but but certainly the uh, the 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 vocalness of it. I mean, the the Vegas practice, like there was a lot of chatter. Part of it was because they had a ton of fans in the building, and it's a more intimate setting, a smaller rink, their their facility. But I, I thought there was a lot more chatter. They looked maybe more like a little loose, looser, I guess, than the Jets. Uh, there was more of a business like approach, and I I got that sense again today. Um, from the Jets, uh, that there is a, a quiet confidence that this is a group that knows that, you know, yeah, they're the eighth seed, but it wasn't that long ago, Huss, that they were actually ahead of Vegas in the standings and they were flirting with the number one seed that the Golden Knights ultimately claimed. So it's not, you know, I'm not saying that they're cocky or that they're overconfident. But I do get the sense that there is a, a quiet confidence. And I think a big part of that, you know, I was talking to Kevin Stenlin this morning, and he mentioned that game in Minnesota last week as a real pivotal one. And it, it, pivotal, obviously, because the team punched its its ticket to the playoffs by beating a good Minnesota team in a game that, quite frankly, they had to win or else it was going to come down to potentially having to beat Colorado. Um but I think the fact they went into enemy territory, they played a team that they hadn't played very well against all year. And, you know, they, they were battle tested and, you know, we know what went down in that game, but the way they kind of came out of that, like that was a playoff game, albeit game 81 of the regular season. And so I think they have that body of work to draw upon that they handled adversity and, 
and hostility and all that pretty well. And so, you know, they're coming here into Vegas against a team kind of like Minnesota that they haven't played very well against when they faced them earlier in the year, albeit under very different circumstances. And so I do get the sense that there's a confidence there. Uh, but Huss, there's also a bit of an air of mystery uh, about what the lineup will look like tonight. Kevin Stenlin told me that he feels he's ready to go. Rick Bonus called him a game-time decision. I dare say no disrespect to Kevin Stenlin. Not nearly as much turns on his availability as it would on Nikolai Ehlers' availability. Ehlers has now told us twice, Saturday and again, and yesterday that he's good to go. But he didn't skate this morning. Now, a few other guys didn't skate. It was an optional. Again, Rick Bonus wouldn't commit to him playing. And so all eyes will be on the warm-up tonight. Uh, because if, if Nikolai Ehlers is not able to play, and I, I think he plays, I really do. Um, but if he's not in the lineup, well, suddenly the Jets are, you know, the, that's one less weapon. A guy that can be a real game-breaker. Well... I mean, listen, I'm with you. I mean, if Nikolai Ehlers is in the lineup, I'll be gobsmacked tonight. I mean, once you've heard that from a player and you know that he practiced yesterday. Um, well, you were yeah. there. How did he look yesterday in practice? I mean, I'm sure you guys were paying close attention to 27. I mean, what uh, did anything stand out as opposed to what you've seen him at uh, full health? Nothing. I mean, he, you wouldn't know he he's had an issue. Um he looked like his his old self. He's, he was flying, and I agree. I mean, the fact that he was, you know, on the number one power play unit yesterday, which looked really crisp, um, moved the puck around well, a lot of movement, which was good to see. Uh, that's a power play that at times has been very stagnant this season, uh, and he was, you know, in his on his line with Nemestikov and Wheeler. So I, I'd be stunned if he's not ready to go, but. I don't know why there's all this mystery around it. Like going back even to Saturday, Huss, I mean, Ehlers declared himself a hundred percent and then Rick bonus kind of poured cold water on that. And, you know, yesterday, Nikola Ehlers makes the joke that he's in a bit of a media war with the coach. Um, and it was a joke, of course, but you know, there's maybe a little bit of truth behind that because I wonder if Rick bonus wasn't all that enamored that Nikola Ehlers came out on Saturday and declared himself good to go. Uh, and then he did it again yesterday. I mean, ultimately, it's, of course, the coach with consultation from the medical staff that makes those decisions. So, you know, something's a little off about all this. Maybe it's just gamesmanship. I don't know. Um, but it would be odd, right? Like, Vegas isn't being nearly as secretive about Mark Stone, a guy who you know, they flat out confirmed yesterday that he's playing. I don't know why all the secrecy about Ehlers. Um, I do think he'll be in the lineup. And if he's not, obviously it's a big drop um, because it looks based on on what they did this morning at the skate house. Uh, like it would be Carson Kuhlman who might draw in if Nikolai Ehlers can't. He's obviously not just going to take his spot on the power play in the second line. But as we all know, that's a significant drop in uh, in production and talent. Um Gustafson would also be an option. He would be the guy, I think, that comes in if Stenlin can't go. But uh, Gustafson and Kuhlman did not stay out for extra work today with, you know, the likes of Stanley and Capo Bianco and Axel Janssen and Fialbi. So they're obviously on standby if one or both of Ehlers and Stenlin can't go.
Yeah, well, I, I mean, in particular with the Ehlers situation, Mike, um, and again, I don't even want to spend too much time thinking about it, never mind talking about it on the show today because I'm with you. I Let's lean towards gamesmanship for whatever reasons. Go just do this going yeah. into game one of a season that hasn't even started yet or a series that hasn't even started yet. But I really do think that Nikolai Ehlers is one of the most important players for the Winnipeg Jets when we get into this series. And, you know, it, it currently constructed with the move of Shifley off a of center to playing wing with Dubois and Connor, you've got, you know, three of the most, you know, effective offensive players playing together on that one line. You've moved in Vlad Nemetsnikov, who is a very good two-way player, defensively responsible, and I think it adds a lot, but is not, you know, a playmaker along the level of a Shifley or even right. a Dubois um, playing with Blake Wheeler and then is Nikolai Ehlers. And to me, Ehlers has the opportunity. And I still wonder why at times he hasn't clicked more with a couple of those great centers that the Winnipeg Jets have had in 55 and 80. But the bottom line is right now for Mike, Nick, or for uh, for Nikolai Ehlers, he is the the offensive catalyst of that line. And we've seen some really good results so far. We were just speaking with Mike Kelly. I mean, through a stretch, that line created seven goals, had none against. Um, if they can get a win on line two matchups yeah. and continue to have success with the number one line, and maybe the most important line of all of them is Adam Lowry's line in this matchup against Vegas, it puts them in a very, very good situation. But if Nikolai Ehlers isn't available for whatever reason... I think you go from, I mean, it completely shuffles the deck chairs. I'd imagine Niederreiter probably moves up. I would yeah. imagine Morgan Barron moves up. And I think that certainly takes a little bit away from both of those lines. But I think it also really affects the fourth line because the fourth line as constructed right now with Morgan Barron playing the way he's playing and Stenland and Menelainen, I think has really held their own. Um so, I mean, the, the, the trickle-down effect of a loss, yeah. a potential loss of Ehlers would be, uh, would be a big, big factor in something I think most people listening to this program right now don't even want to think about. Yeah, so we don't want to speak it into existence or manifest it. And, you know, the other thing, Hussey, you didn't mention, but I think is going to be crucial, and we saw it already in night one of the playoffs last night, as always, special teams, power play can be such a big factor. And Nikolai Ehlers on that top power play unit, where they have him playing, him coming downhill the way they have it designed, it's even when even when they weren't scoring, they were looking a whole lot more dangerous over the last couple of weeks. And a big part of that, I think, is Nikolai Ehlers and what he brought to that power play. So not only, as you point out, do you maybe go from having four nicely balanced lines where even your fourth line can can get, eat up some zone time and you're comfortable putting them out, you know, in, in pretty much all situations. Now maybe you're almost more of a three-line team. You don't have nearly the faith in your fourth line, but also your power play, which you hope can get you a big goal or two here in the series, uh, is not nearly as dangerous. So, uh, you know, I, I think for all those reasons, like if if Ehlers is, is saying he's ready to play, I mean, it, it, what what would be the point of being overly cautious playoff run? Uh, but uh, you want to get going off on the right foot here. And so I, I think Nikolai Ehlers plays tonight. And I think the Jets are banking on Nikolai Ehlers playing well. And if he does play well, it certainly improves Winnipeg's chances of winning this series. 
Well, and you brought up the power play, and that's a perfect segue into the special teams battle in this, um, you know, in this series. And I, I'm with you. I mean, we many of us, and I, we've certainly talked about it on this program in uh, hits over the past number of weeks. When the power play was struggling the way that it was, there were questions as to why the heck is Ehlers not on this group? What can you do to get him on? He's so effective with gaining the zone. Um, we saw it happen, right. and it has certainly made a difference. I mean, the power play has looked different. It has looked more effective. They've had more success in the bottom line, which is scoring goals, which goes, you know, to say that's very important when you're talking about a series where, you know, one goal can be the difference from, you know, winning or losing a hockey game. And when you look at the breakdown of the power play for the year, um, you know, the Jets, I think, are 19.2, and Vegas is at 20.2. So a few Almost teams a in soft, between yeah. them, but basically relatively close. The one special team's advantage or the real difference is on the penalty kill. And the Jets, I believe, about a 5% better PK than Vegas does. And the one thing through the good and the bad of this season, Scott Arneal's penalty group, penalty killing group, has been near the top of the league. And Connor Hellebuck is a big, big part of that. But, you know, Adam Lowry, Mason Appleton, we could go down the list of the guys that have been contributing in that way. Um, to me, if that penalty kill can continue to play at the level that they have and give the Jets maybe a few more opportunities to stay in the game, um, you know, at that point, your top-line players, whether you're at five-on-five five or taking advantage of power plays, have the opportunity to really sort of flip the tables. So, um what do you, when you break down the special teams matchup, I mean, are you sort of seeing it the way I do that there's a significant advantage on PK, especially when you imagine the goaltending and whoever does a better job of solving the other team's PK on the power play could be at a very significant advantage when you go into a best of seven. A hundred percent agreed. And, you know, the unspoken part of all that when we talk special teams is discipline, right? And keeping your cool. Yes. And, and not, you know, not giving the other team unnecessary chances, you know, sure, there's going to be times you, you take good penalties, right? If they're, if they're throwing a scoring chance, whatever, those are good penalties and, and you'll happily take them. But where the Jets at times this year have gotten themselves in trouble and they're certainly not alone, could probably, every team could probably cite examples where they've had self-inflicted wounds caused by unnecessary penalties, whether that's, letting your emotions get carried away um, and, you know, and, and, and being over aggressive or not moving your feet. We've seen the Jets take those penalties, you know, guys like Blake Wheeler at times take those, those neutral zone or even offensive zone, you know, hooking and, and tripping penalties like those, you can't take those, those are killers and everything is magnified in the playoff. You know, discipline will be a huge part of that. And, that's where the crowds come in, right? Like Vegas, I'm sure is going to try, you know, certainly tonight in game one, their, their crowd's going to be buzzing. Those first few shifts, they're going to have guys like Keegan Colasar out there trying to run everyone through the boards, you know, throw some big hits, get the crowd going. And it will be incumbent on the Jets to try and weather that storm and to not get caught up in kind of the, the emotion or not, don't find don't find the moment too big that they can't handle it. And same with on on home ice when the series shifts. I mean, not get carried away by trying to do too much to get your fans going that you actually become almost unhinged. And it was it was interesting, Hus, watching the Dallas Minnesota game last night. 
you're reminded of how differently the game gets called. And I'm not even talking about the Dumba controversial hit. I'm talking about everything after. Those two teams for for a large stretch of that game looked like they were out to try and kill each other. And the referees, at least in that game, seemingly were letting everything go. But at times, the play was bordering on unhinged. And it's thrilling to watch. It's one of the reasons we love playoff hockey. Uh, but for players, it can be a real struggle to just stay in the moment, not get carried away, and do something that you'll regret, such as taking an unnecessary penalty. So we'll see if the Jets can stay disciplined. They were pretty good if you look at the whole body of the season. I think they were a, a fairly disciplined team, but we did see times when they would be their own worst enemy, and, and they simply can't afford to do that here. Hey, over 600 in the chat right now. Welcome, everyone. Uh, hit that thumbs up, and if you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button. Welcome to everyone new. We're going to be here uh, every day, Monday to Friday, 1 p.m. Central, so join us live on YouTube, and you can also grab Winnipeg Sports Talk on the podcast wherever you find your pods. Just search Winnipeg Sports Talk. You know, Mike, two things came out of that Dallas-Minnesota game from my perspective. Number one, I was completely triggered when Hartman scored the winner. He should not have been playing in that game if NHL player safety had the stones to, um, you know, suspend a guy for an obvious cheap shot. I do wonder if that was uh, Mitch Marner and not Nikolai Ehlers or somewhere else, whether that might have been taken a little more seriously, whatever. Um, but I got thinking about Pierre-Luc Dubois and you mentioned about discipline and you meant yeah. I mean, Dubois is <laughs> such a fine line on both sides. Oh. I mean, he's big, he's strong, and he can be that guy that does those cantankerous things to opponents and obviously can back it up and can score. But he also sometimes finds himself getting so involved in those sort of things, it can be a detriment to him, his line, and his team. Um, what do you make of uh, just the Dubois factor in this series? What he brings as a number one center right now in a very off offensive line, but also his knack for both drawing and taking penalties and how that could affect any game in this series. So, you know, we, we talk a lot about plus minus, right? And, and in, the, in the goals for and against, you know, when you're on the ice. And the value of plus minus, I think at times is there's too much value put on it. Pierre-Luc Dubois is an interesting guy because when I think of plus minus, I'm not talking about goals for and against. I'm talking about penalties for and against. And when Pierre-Luc Dubois is on the plus side, when he's a plus player, the Jets usually are winning hockey games because Pierre-Luc Dubois is getting under the other team's skin. He's making friends or enemies um, and, and goading other teams into things that, you know, and then he's often then on the power play that's, that's trying to punish them for their sins. When he's a minus player, and we've seen that at times, when he lets his emotions get the best of him, then usually things are not going well for the Jets. He's frustrated and he wears his heart on his sleeve. It's, it's one of the things you love about Pierre-Luc Dubois. His, his give-a-crap meter is always dialed up, right? But sometimes it's, it's too high in a way. So for sure, he's, he's a wild card, you know, for a few reasons, Huss. The, the, the ability to, to draw penalties, uh, but also take penalties, that'll be something worth watching. But just 
just his size. He's a guy that is built for playoff hockey. And, you know, he had that big coming out against the Leafs um, a few years ago, right? When, when he, uh, when he had the hat trick with the blue jackets and that and he, and you know, that put him on a big stage. Um, so he's got a chance. He was talking the other day about how amped he is. The last time he was in the playoffs, there was no fans in the building and he's a guy that can feed off that emotion. So he, he's a guy to watch very closely in this series because I agree as much as we talked about Nikolai Ehlers and how he could be a wild card, a game breaker. Pierre-Luc Dubois has all the tools in the world to be the kind of player that can kind of put a team on his back and help lead them to great things. But he's got to, you know, he's got to, to toe that line. And I'll be fascinated to see how he handles that, um, you know, early in this series. Well, and Mike, in a lot of ways, um, you know, the first year when Dubois came here, things didn't go well for him. You mentioned about the playoffs playing in front of no fans. This series, this moment tonight, in a lot of ways, is the reason why the Winnipeg Jets made the trade that they did and acquired Pierre-Luc Dubois. It was to yeah. have that physical center that they didn't have in Mark Shifley that could go up and and, and be a guy that could go head-to-head, do all of those things. And regardless of what Dubois' future is in Winnipeg, um, for him personally, for him, the team right now, for his value if he's ever being traded, but most importantly for this series right now, to me, he might be the most central figure, at least when we're talking about forwards uh, in this lineup. Uh, Non-Connor Hellebuck variety, yeah, yes. exactly. And I mean, I think Josh Morrissey is going to be a player that, you know, is going to play huge minutes and will have a massive impact on the uh, on the game. But you know, considering the guys that he's playing with right now and what will be hoped for and expected from that group and everything that he brings, this is Pierre-Luc Dubois' time to make that trade look um, look good for the Winnipeg Jets, regardless of how things end up with his time here in Winnipeg. For sure. And he, he should be a highly motivated player, as you point out, Haas, whether he's playing for his next contract here in Winnipeg or his next contract with another team. All the Jets care about is that he's their guy right now and he's capable of doing very special things. So um, a motivated uh, and, you know, on his game, Pierre-Luc Dubois can be a difference maker for sure. And, you know, Josh Morrissey, as you say, can be another one. I suspect Josh Morrissey, um, Vegas, they've got some heavy four checkers. They've got some guys who like to throw their weight around. They're going to be coming for the Winnipeg D. They're going to be trying to, you know, uh, Bruce Cassidy yesterday talked about how Winnipeg likes to get their D involved and how they have some guys that can be neutralizers. Uh, he was talking about Keegan Colasar, for one, who I, I had a great chat with yesterday and I'm, I'm writing about today. Um, so, you know, there's going to be a physical price to be paid. And again, that goes back to things like discipline and, and you know, reining it in because there will be times, I'm sure, probably quite early, we saw the temperature get ratcheted up in in some of those games yesterday very quickly i suspect it won't take long till the heat gets turned up and i'm not talking about what what the temperature is outside here the heat will get turned up and who can kind of weather the early storms and and you know all those cliches is probably going to come out on the better side of things hey uh you know we've spent a lot of time talking about you know the the forward lines and obviously the intrigue if you're willing to go that far about Ehlers and Stenland but before we go Mike I know you've been in both rooms you've talked to the individuals involved um 
what a what a really neat goaltending matchup we've got in this series. Um, we've talked oh. plenty about Connor Hellebuck, but Loren Brassois going up against his old team after being in the American League for part of this season, being injured, and not losing a game in regulation. It is as fascinating a goaltending matchup I can remember in a first-round series in a long time. It, it really is. And I don't know if you caught, uh, so I had a great chat with uh, LB. Yeah. So I, I had a great chat with him yesterday. I don't know if you saw, he had some zingers. Um, all in good fun. He said uh, bragging rights, right? And how, you know, him and Connor Hellebuck are good buddies. And he said, uh, whoever, uh, this was a good one. He said, whoever wins this series, the other guy isn't going to hear the end of it. Uh, and isn't that true uh you know that Hellebuck and Bressois will be trading friendly barbs and um yeah I like this line he talked about how he learned so much from Connor Hellebuck and he kind of threw in a shot and said you know I sat on the bench watching him so much I, I couldn't help but pick up things from his game but then he says this so yeah he influenced me in a positive way now it's time to use it against him um you know almost like the insinuation that you've created a monster uh, I love it. It's a great storyline. It adds an extra element of fun. Uh, and it, it's a great story because this is a guy, Lauren Bressois, that was toiling in the minors earlier this year. And here he is. You know, they've got four goalies uh, in, right now in, in the mix. And he's the guy that gets the game one start. Obviously, the Jets have some familiarity. They're going to want to try and get to him early. And, you know, Huss, if the Jets can see some of Vegas's other goaltenders this series... I dare say that that bodes well for Winnipeg's chances uh, if they can get a look at the likes of Jonathan Quick, Aiden Hill, Logan Thompson. Yeah, uh, if, if it becomes a revolving, yeah, it's, it's a good sign for Winnipeg. No doubt about it. Mike, listen, uh, loving all the uh, coverage in the Winnipeg Free Press. We'll look forward to uh, tomorrow, of course, at freepress.com as well. Uh, enjoy game one tonight. It should be uh, should be a lot of fun. Jealous that we're not there, but hopefully we'll have a great series to uh, see here in Winnipeg and maybe back for a fifth and, dare I say, potential seventh game in Vegas a little later on. Be well, and thanks for doing this. All right, enjoy the game. Take care. Great stuff. All right, there is uh, our pal Mike McIntyre with the Winnipeg Free Press in Vegas. We're going to stay in Vegas and get a little bit more on the home team. The number one seed Vegas Golden Knights with Ken Bolke from Sinbin.Vegas in just a second. And before we do that, uh, again, a huge thanks to Princess Auto for the incredible hospitality in the uh, week last week out covering the Grand Slam Princess Auto Players Championship on the curling tour in Toronto. What a great week that was. Princess Auto, I know the Princess Auto staff will be a lot of jet jerseys running out Princess Auto HQ today in Winnipeg before game one tonight. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. You can pop by and see them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Two days away from game two and two days away from the big grand opening with our friends at Consolidated Supply at their new showroom down at 1395 Niagara Road East. 
Thursday after the show. Remus and I are going to be ripping down there. We'd love to see you there. You're going to have food trucks and refreshments, some raffle prizes, and be able to get to check out everything Consolidated Supply has going on as the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, new and used golf carts, and other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options and small engine parts and repairs. Pop by and see them anytime at the showroom, which is open to the public now at 1395 Niagara Road East. But join us Thursday after the show. Two to eight is the uh, is the time. And, of course, they'll finish up and then saddle up somewhere to watch game two between the Jets and Golden Knights. Find out more about Consolidated Supply online at cte.ca. Well, game three Saturday, game four Monday. You got your whites ready? Well, if not, get on down to Royal Sports now. Heck, get in time for game one tonight and get in that playoff field before the home games begin. Royal Sports is stocked, ready to go with retro reverse white jerseys, home um, road white jerseys, as well as the white heritage jerseys. Whatever you like, Royal has got you covered. Tons of white hats and more and other whiteout gear for the Winnipeg Jets. They, of course, are the best selection of licensed team gear, not just for the Jets, but also the Bombers, NHL, NFL, tons of new Jays stuff as well coming in. And spring stock is arriving daily with soccer, baseball, softball, tennis equipment, and a huge selection of bikes all down at 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And hey, we're finally here. Playoff game number one. Where are you getting together with your crew tonight for the game? May I suggest your local Boston pizza, your whiteout headquarters, <clears throat> and I have awesome specials, a new, a new triple play platter featuring tie bites, cactus cuts, and cheesy bandera bread, and your chance to win tickets to a Winnipeg Jets home playoff game. BP, the place to be tonight. Huge screens, big sound, spin to win prizes and more. Make your plans to get to Boston Pizza tonight for game one of the playoff series. And of course, if you don't have tickets on Saturday or Monday, the next best place to watch the game is your local Boston Pizza. All right, more on this series right now. Let's welcome in the uh, host of Sinbin Vegas. You can find them on Twitter at Sinbin Vegas. And online at sinbin.vegas, it's Ken Bolke back on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Ken, here we go. Playoff time tonight. How are you? Let's go. It's time. I love the playoffs. Let's do this. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, what a what a crazy season the Winnipeg Jets have had. An amazing start. A terrible run of a couple months. And then sort of finding their way with their backs against the wall. And in some ways playing playoff hockey for the better part of the last three weeks or so just to get to this point. Tell us about the Vegas Golden Knights season, because when you think about you lose your captain for half the year, you rotate goaltenders with four guys playing significant times and yet still able to win the Western Conference. I think it speaks to the depth of this team and certainly Bruce Cassidy, I'm sure, deserves a lot of credit for what he's done behind the bench. Yeah, no doubt. Season started off real good when they were healthy. They came flying out of the gates, 13-2-0. There were, I think, three wins. All three were against the Jets in that first 15 games. It might have only been two, but there was another one a little bit later. And then for about, about a 30-game stretch there, they were basically a point-per-game team. And they stayed at the top of the standings. They were still in the right place for most of that. And we kind of felt like, all right, well, eventually they're going to have to turn this back on. You can't be a point-per-game team for 65 games and still feel like you're 
what you're supposed to be. Right after the All-Star break, that's when they really turned it back on. They started playing really good hockey. They were much more consistent, winning a lot of games. Even the nights where they didn't necessarily have it completely, they were finding ways to win. A lot of coaches like to say when you don't have your best game, you still win. That's the mark of a good team. They were doing a lot of that. You're right. They went through the goalie thing. They've gone through a lot of injuries with, with Stone being out. Eichel was out for a little while. Depth has kind of manifested in a way where it's really been more system depth. They play the same system no matter who goes into the game. They do not allow a lot of dangerous chances. They keep plays to the outside, and they just clog up the neutral zone. And that has made them very, very good over the course of basically the last two and a half months since the All-Star break. Now, uh, I want to ask you about the trade deadline because – you know, we saw a ridiculous arms race in the East, unlike maybe anything that I can remember before. Um, you know, the Winnipeg Jets, I thought probably value-wise, had maybe two of the best pickups. I mean, Niederreiter has been awesome, and Nemetsnikov, uh, I think, has been a revelation at times, and he's going to play a very important role centering the second line. Um Tell us about the acquisitions that the Vegas Golden Knights added and how guys like Barbashev have fit in. Obviously, it seems pretty good because he's riding shotgun with Jack Eichel, but uh, how has this team changed since the deadline? They made three moves. So the biggest one was the one you mentioned, which was Barbashev. And I think he was kind of the one they were targeting all along. They've kind of always felt like they could use someone willing to go to the net, someone who can play in the top six, can potentially move down if some other guys step forward. Uh, offers some of that physicality. He was a guy I think they were targeting. He has fit in, done exactly what he's supposed to do. I don't. I wouldn't call him a revelation like you're saying about Nemestikov. Or I think he's probably more like Niederreiter. He just does what he's supposed to do. He comes in, he plays the style of game you're supposed to have. The other two are interesting because Teddy Bluger was kind of a fill-in piece at the time. They had a number of bottom six players banged up. They weren't sure if they were going to have to continue going to some of these AHL guys that weren't quite ready. He was available for pretty low price. I want to say they paid a fourth-round pick for him. They had plenty of cap space, so that didn't get in the way. He's actually been a healthy scratch, and now he appears to be a healthy scratch to start this playoff series. And with Will Carrier getting healthy, he's even probably one more further down the list. So we may not even see Bluger at all. And then the last one was Jonathan Quick. And he was just, well, all the goalies are injured. He's available. We have the money to do it. We might as well have Jonathan Quick instead of Michael Hutchinson. He came in, won a few games, didn't particularly play all that well. He does appear like he's going to get the role as the backup, but I would be surprised if he starts a game in this series or any series for the Golden Knights in the playoffs. Well, it's a perfect little segue into goaltending because uh, we know who's going to be there for the Winnipeg Jets. There's no mystery that it's going to be Connor Hellebuck rolling out night after night after night. Um, I think people, particularly around here, that maybe hadn't been paying a lot of attention to the Pacific Division were somewhat surprised when they found that Loren Brassois is now the guy, while he's getting tabbed as the guy in game one, um, he's had a crazy season. Injuries, American Hockey League time, and now he comes in with a 7-0-3 record in, uh, what, 11 games. Uh, hasn't been a lot, but the sample size has been good. Tell us about Brassois' uh, season and how he's ended up being the guy with uh, the last line of defense that is getting the tab tonight. 
And you missed one word, waivers. He hit waivers at one point in the middle of this season. That's which how you is, get to the minors. <laughs> right. That, well, that's a good point. That's a good point. But like, yeah, he was injured. They they plucked him through waivers and he goes unclaimed. He gets down there and he was disastrous. Actually, he had played two AHL games before he had to go through waivers because he was on one of those uh, conditioning or, stints. Yeah, conditioning, yeah, sure. yeah, conditioning stint. And he, and he was bad. He gave up like seven each game. And then all of a sudden he's on waivers. He clears through waivers. He wasn't great down there. Like there were times where he started playing a little better. That team was horrible. The Henderson Silver Knights were very bad this season till the last week or so. And so then the injuries are what really brought him back. Thompson got injured. Hill got injured. And he had to step in. He actually came up and he got injured after a couple of really good games. Probably the best goalie performance of the season they got out of him uh, in a game against, uh, I believe it was either Minnesota or New Jersey. I can't remember which one it was. But then once he got healthy, now he's kind of taken the reins. And it was him and Quick for a little while. There was no doubt he was better than Quick. He has been the most consistent one. He's been kind of the guy that has gone in there and done exactly what you want to do behind a Bruce Cassidy defense, which is just don't give up the easy ones. And he has done a very, very good job of that. And with that, hasn't lost in regulation. Now, there have been some losses in there. Uh, they, there have been some goals allowed. He's not been perfect. But he's no question been the most consistent goalie the Golden Knights have. And Logan Thompson's not healthy right now. If he was, he might have ended up being the starter going in. He's not. So it's Brassois. And Thompson doesn't seem like he's on the verge of being healthy either. Well, and, and I mean, you know, you add in the fact that he's going up against his old pal Hellebuck on the other end. But maybe more importantly in real life, um, going up against guys that have been peppering him in practice for for a couple of years. Um what do you make of the challenge and the, also the pressure that comes with it on being a guy knowing that there's a bunch of other guys that are more than ready to take your spot if you don't come up with a big performance? Yeah, I mean, it's he's played, what, one playoff game? Do you remember that? I, I don't remember the playoff game. What was the playoff game he played? Uh, I, I don't know. It's probably in Edmonton maybe back in, like, you know, when right. he started his career. In a while. Yeah, so it's, I mean, even if we don't even remember it, we both cover the two teams that are in the series. So that just goes to show that it, it is one and it's not going to be something he's going to have a ton of experience to lean on. So I'm I'm interested to see how he deals with early on in the series, how he deals with the first game on the road, how he deals with giving up a goal and what that push comes back at him, you know, if they go behind, how it, how it looks. And then the interesting part I've found is they're deciding it looks like they're going to put Quick on the bench with him. And part of the reason for that is because they think having the two cups of that Quick has had and all the experience that he has had, that every TV timeout, intermissions, he can go and give some information to Loren Brassois. And I think that's that's going to be a, an interesting part of it to see, will that kind of settle him down? Or like you said, and it, it's it's there, like there's enough pressure in the playoffs anyway. He now understands you lose one game, two you're out of there. We've got other options. So it is a very tough situation to be in. But if he keeps doing the things he's been doing, he ain't coming out. You know, Ken Bolke is with us from Sinbin Vegas, getting ready for game one tonight between the Jets and the Golden Knights on Winnipeg Sports Talk. You mentioned Brassois has one game of playoff experience. That's one more than Jack Eichel. Um, Jack Eichel's making his playoff debut tonight, and um, he's not just any player. He is, you know... A high price was paid to bring a guy in at a huge salary at a to be a franchise player. Um, listen, we know Jack Eichel's a hell of a hockey player. What is 
How would you describe the pressure on Jack Eichel to um, really prove that they did the right thing by acquiring him? I imagine this is the time for him to show it. Yeah, I think the, the moment he got here, it was like, Step one was make sure you get to the playoffs. That didn't happen the first year. I think pretty well into this season, they knew this is going to happen. I think he's been gearing up for this moment. It's like, here we go. Are you going to be able to stand up to the rigors of the postseason? And I think we all kind of feel the same way. There's almost two ways it can go. It's either going to go where he turns it up and he becomes even more dominant than he's been in the regular season. And he has had games where he's been phenomenal in the regular season. Or he's going to be like a lot of players. We've seen it in the past. We saw it from McKinnon. We saw it from McDavid. We've seen it from all the guys up in Toronto that sometimes it just doesn't work out your first couple run-throughs going through the playoffs. And I think there's a possibility, especially with the matchups that he's going to draw. I'm assuming he's going to see a lot of Adam Lowry. He's going to see a lot of Pierre-Luc Dubois. Those are not easy guys to play hockey against. They are not easy guys to get going skating-wise. Like, he needs to play with speed, and it's going to be interesting to see how does he deal with the highs and lows of the series because there's going to be moments he's going to have good shifts. There's going to be moments he's probably going to be out on the ice for goals, but when he's out on the ice for goals against and they lose games, and I think they are going to lose at least one in this series, what's going to be the return? What's going to be the recovery for him? And we don't know. Like He's played a whole bunch of NHL games where we have no idea what this guy looks like in the playoffs. And I think that's going to be a huge story from the second the puck drops. And maybe they will start him. I don't know. They usually start fourth line. Maybe they go with Eichel to start this game. We'll see. Well, one guy that we do know has performed in the playoffs but hasn't performed in the NHL for a while is Mark Stone. And, um, you know, he's the captain, the heart and soul, the leader of this hockey club. Um, But he's been out, back surgery. He's had some major issues He's in. He's going to be playing tonight. Um, do we have any idea of how close he is to being 100%? And, you know, will he be in a different position than he might normally be if he was? And how much can Bruce Cassidy realistically expect for a guy that hasn't played in months? The answer is we don't know, but I can say we do have some clues. And I think the first clue of all of it is where they've pl- plucked him into that lineup. I think if the expectation was he's going to be 100%, he's going to be with Jack Eichel. They're going to make a super line, and they're going to give him his 19, 20, 22 minutes of a night. That's not where they put him. They actually moved around three different lines to fit him back in and put him on a third line with Michael Amadio and Chandler Stevenson. Stevenson has historically been very good with, with Stone. Amadio has played a little bit with Stone, but he's been in much better in different spots in the lineup. So the decision to kind of shove him down on that third line, I think indicates that there's at least some hesitancy about what they're going to get right away. That being said, this is Mark Stone. If he comes out and he has a dominant shift in this first shift and does it again in the second shift, he's going to play 20 minutes. They're not going to restrict this guy. They're not going to hold him back. He's going to be on the power play. He'll eventually start getting penalty kill minutes. It's just whether he's going to be able to hold up. And he has not played for a while. Like, what happens if we go into overtime tonight? Does he play in that? How good is he going to be in that? There are just so many question marks surrounding what type of play they're going to get out of him. And if he's at his absolute peak, the Golden Knights are so much better. But if he's not, and we've seen this in the playoffs, sometimes he can make them worse. He has had some tough series. The, the best example is the last time the Golden Knights were in the playoffs. He got zero points 
in an entire playoff series against the Montreal Canadiens and told everyone he was not hurt afterwards. So he has to be good if they're going to succeed. Ken, as far as the blue line goes, uh, Petrangelo and Martinez, McNabb, Theodore, I imagine both of those pairings will be logging heavy, heavy minutes for um, for Bruce Cassidy. Yes, for sure. They do lean on their third line a little bit more than I think a lot of teams do. But yeah, we're, we're still talking. You're going to see 24, 25 minutes in the first 60 out of Petrangelo. I would imagine something similar for Theodore with a little bit more offensive uh, zone starts for him. But yeah, they will use White Cloud and Haig. And White Cloud, you know, Manitoba boy. So they got to get him in there a little bit, right? Well, I mean, Zach, he's such a great story. And I mean, the, the funniest awesome. thing about this matchup of Winnipeg going against Vegas is, you know, not just from the team, but to management, to broadcasting. I mean, there is so much. We kind of call it the Nevada-Manitoba Mafia here. And uh, they'll all be there. And I mean, all those guys will want to put their uh, their best foot forward, certainly on the ice. Just one more before we go. We spent a lot of time talking about just how dominant Adam Lowry's line has been during this stretch to get the team into the playoffs and how it looks now with the guy that, you know, scores 20, 25 every year and Nino Niederreiter playing along with him and kind of looking to some maybe unsung heroes or guys under the radar. We've talked about the big stars, the goaltending, the top forwards in defense. Is there a player or two that we haven't mentioned that you think is going to be very, very impactful one way or the other as to whether the Golden Knights can beat the Jets in a best of seven. I'll start with defensively because the Golden Knights have to be good defensively if they're going to win this series. And Alec Martinez has been a block machine, as has Braden McNabb. I think those two combined. One of the things we've noticed with teams that struggle against the Golden Knights is they just can't get their shots to the goal. And that's part of the reason why the Golden Knights played four straight, four different goalies and won four games in a row, because the goal, the shots don't even get there. And if this is how the Jets deal with getting shots through against the Martinez and uh, McNabb group. That's going to be very, very important. Can they get those shots through the other one? If we flip it to the other side, it's two different guys on two different lines, and it's Michael Amadio and Phil Kessel. At different times, both of them have had success. They've potted some big goals. They both like to go to the goal, which is not something we've seen out of either of them in their careers much. This year, they're doing it. They're going directly to the goal, and they've made big-time plays and big-time moments. And I think that's the type of scoring that you have to get if you're the Golden Knights, something that they haven't gotten historically when they get the playoff series. They've dried up a little bit, and that's because some of the top guys have. Marcia So, Carlson, Stone, at times when Pacioretty was here, it did dry up Theodore Petrangelo. They're going to need some depth scoring. And it's weird because those depth scoring is actually on the second line and the third line. So it's not your normal fourth line depth scoring. They're going to need something out of those guys. And I'm, I'm looking more at Kessel. I think Kessel playing with Smith and Carlson is going to be interesting. He's going to make a huge impact on this series one way or the other. Because either he keeps up and they can utilize that line defensively and they score or he doesn't and they have some ripple effect down the lineup and they're going to have to find some different matchups. And that, that would be a problem. Oh, man, I just cannot wait for puck drop tonight. This should be an awesome series, both in Vegas and here in Winnipeg. Just before we go, Ken, I mean, I think there is a cautious optimism. I think that around here, Winnipeg Jet fans are feeling, well, much better about their team now than they were about three weeks ago. I can guarantee you that. Um, and I think there's an argument to be made that what the Jets had to go through and step up might prepare them even better for the early part in the series. Um, the Knights... 
as we've discussed, have gone through a lot this year, and yet they won the Western Conference. This team has been so successful since they started, with the exception of missing out last year. How would you describe the uh, the buy around the fan base in the city going into this game tonight? I think they kind of feel almost slighted, I would say, that you look around and most people picked Edmonton. There are certainly people picking Winnipeg in this series. Even if Vegas does get through Edmonton on certain brackets, people have Colorado, Dallas beating them. Hardly anybody's picking the Golden Knights to win the Stanley Cup. Like, there's been, you know, they're they're the number one seed in the Western Conference. And I think they're probably getting two, three percent of the brackets. You look at these models, it feels the same way. I think the fans, the the city, everybody's kind of sitting here saying, okay, all right, you doubt us again. Go ahead. See how that goes. And they very well might come out. And would it shock anybody if they just go nuts in this first game? Like they've had some real good first games. If it does that, I think the chain the the like the vibe's gonna change real quick. But for now. Uh, I do think they feel kind of slighted and believing like, guess what? We're about to prove everybody wrong again. Here we go. Well, I imagine it'll be Bedlam in that rink tonight in T-Mobile Arena. It normally is for a regular season game. I'm sure the fans of the Knights will be bringing their playoff A game and uh, got a pretty good feeling that both these hockey teams will as well. Ken, thanks so much for doing this. And uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you. And uh, you bring the sin bin to the peg coming up on the weekend. Let's go. I'm coming up on Friday. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Wear white. We'll see you then. <laughs> thanks. See ya. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Sinbin.Vegas is the site. Give Ken and uh, great work he does following the Knights on Twitter at sin bin vegas all right um hey i wanted to give a thanks again to ben howard for that generous super chat earlier and of course t kona Pauly. and t kona Pauly was mentioning how much he is enjoying the little brown jug generic lager which just launched um we had a bunch of those on uh sports trivia night a couple weeks back it was sort of the first time for most of us to get a chance to try it um it is just great i've had a i've had a few more since then uh, but it's your basic lager just better. Impressively standard in the best way, light and clean to taste with a mellow flavor and crisp finish. Now Manitoba can support local without having to move away from the domestic taste they've come to expect with a light beer. Pick it up in eight packs or buy the can through the tap room or through vendors. It'll be available in eight packs as well at Liquor Marts very soon. Um, quick golf note. We've got the Zurich Championship this week, and of course, Liv heading to Australia, which should be very different—a very different reception that they've gotten, they've got there, as opposed to sort of the mediocre reception here in North America. Uh, but not a huge week on tour. That being said, getting ready, start limbering up, getting those swings in because golf season's coming here very soon in Winnipeg, and no better place to. Spend your days on the course than Breezy Bend, one of Manitoba's top private clubs with a championship course, top-notch practice facilities, and the best 19th hole around on their beautiful course-side patio. Great men's, ladies, and junior programs. Breezy Bend's the perfect long-term golfing home for you and your family. Find out more at breezybend.ca or give our good friend Corey Johnson a call for more information about becoming a member. And just before we get Remo back in here, shout-out to our friends at Aikens Lake who are getting ready to get up there for another summer in paradise. Cannot wait for our annual trip up to Aikens. And if you're thinking about potentially a great friends and family trip or a corporate outing, they still do have availability over 85% booked for the entire summer. So get on it now. 
Find out more at AkinsLake.com. And at any university students that might be listening to this, thinking about a summer in paradise, fire a resume over to our pal Pitt Tarrant, Pitt at AkinsLake.com on uh, an amazing, amazing summer job where uh, you can earn and save money and get ready for that next year of school while uh, living in one of the most uh, unbelievable spots in our entire province, not too far away from the city of Winnipeg. All right, let's get Remus back in here because we've got to get to the cool bet lines. We've got four series yet to go and four more games tonight. And uh, Remus, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about these other series, but I am interested in who you have between the Rangers and Devils, as Mike Kelly said earlier, that was the last game series that he sort of filled out, as well as the Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs. I guess you did sort of give it away that you're riding the Leafs this year against the Lightning for the first time in a long time. But uh, what do you think about this Battle of the Hudson? Yeah, it didn't feel great uh, filling in the Leafs, but I did our office pools, box pool, and someone asked me, and I just... Thought it was the Leafs' time. I like the additions they made. Uh, Tampa really hasn't played that well, going back to when John Cooper sat their first line. And, I mean, how can they win us when their big trade deadline acquisition, Tanner Janot, got injured? I mean, surely they're doomed without him, right? So, I mean, they gave up so much. But uh, I would go, I for all the reasons Mike said, I do agree with him. And then for uh, Rangers-Devils, I agree. I thought it was a bit of a toss-up. I think you got to like the Devils' top and talent. Uh, there is the edge. Rangers have the goaltending. Uh, maybe even on defense, too. It's going to be tight, but I'm going with the Devils. They got home ice. And I like, uh, I like Jack Hughes as a big superstar. Player and I think they've got a bunch of solid lines, solid defense. Dougie Hamilton. These they're very both very good teams. So I'm going with the Devils. Although I do see people picking Rangers as well. I'll, I'll put a poll in real quick. Yeah, let's go. We got another why not question of the day. Fire it up in the chat. Who you got? Devils versus Rangers. The series prices over at Coolbet. Devils are minus one twenty three favorites. And the Rangers are at plus 105. I kind of like the value on the Rangers. They've got the experience. They've got the better goaltender. But I was so impressed. Even the way the Jets took care of the Devils here in Winnipeg. I was so impressed with Bratt, with Hughes, the speed that they can turn that puck around. That was, I mean, a real strong game for the Winnipeg Jets. And they certainly got the, uh, they certainly got the goals that they had been missing. But this is going to be a great series right now. I mean, I guess originally I sort of gave the nod to the Rangers. I wouldn't be surprised if the Devils win this game tonight. But as far as series prices, this is the closest one of the first round. Devils minus 123, Rangers plus 105. Uh, Leafs lightning. Leafs are a big favorite. Pretty like bigger than Vegas is against Winnipeg, which might surprise some people. Minus 172 for Toronto, plus 145 for Tampa. Um, this number hasn't moved at all in the Jets Golden Knights series. Vegas is minus 154 to win the series. Winnipeg is plus 130. Um, and we've got some other interesting numbers here to kind of just dig into. Shifley total goals in the series over under two and a half. Same number for Jack Eichel over two and a half. Kyle Connor over under two goals in the series. What? That's interesting because Kyle Connor had been the guy, but 
I mean, if you look at this year, Connor got 30, Mark Shifley got 42. So I think they're sort of going with a little more recency bias. Uh, as far as series total games, if you think it will go to seven, you can get plus 220 on that over six and a half. So minus 192 for over five and a half. Um, so certainly the bookies think this goes six at least, if not seven. Pierre-Luc Dubois total goals in the series is over under one and a half. Josh Morrissey is over half a goal. Will Josh Morrissey score? It's minus 111. So there's all sorts of really, really neat um, uh, prop bets if you want to click on the series um, and then make things happen. The uh, final game of the series will be played in Vegas or Winnipeg. And, you know, if you like the Jets to win the series at plus 130, I'd say their best path to do that would be to win game six. Um, again, obviously, they could potentially lose in game six. Uh, but there is a whole whack load of options for you. Uh, all right there. Click on the uh, on the series, and then you can collect the uh, player points and whatnot. The other series that gets going tonight is the Avalanche and Kraken. Avalanche are a big favorite is the defending cup champs at minus 312 for the series and the Kraken at plus 250. Uh, as far as the actual games tonight, though, here are your odds. Devils are minus 139 favorites at home against the Rangers. Rangers plus 118. The Leafs are minus 155 at home against the Lightning at plus 131. Jets, a road dog, of course, plus 124. Vegas minus 146. And the Avalanche, minus 195, the biggest favorite on the board tonight. And the Kraken, plus 164. And we do have a couple of exclusives. That series exclusive that I put together a couple days ago is still live because all three series begin tonight. The New York Rangers to win their series, the Jets to win their series, and the Maple Leafs to win their series, plus 725 in the Lockshop Partner Parlay section. And then we've got one for tonight. We left the Jets off. I figured the Jets have a much better record when we don't touch them in the lock shop, so they're off it. But we do have the Leafs to win, the Avalanche to win, and over five and a half in the Jersey Ranger game. That one is plus 420. But if you click on Cool Bet Exclusives, there is a whole bunch of exclusive options, especially with the Leafs playing. Um, so you've got things like... Oh, here's the winter storm warning for the Winnipeg Jets. I like this one. Shifley, one or more goals. Morrissey, one or more points. And the Jets to win at plus 600. Uh, but we've even got a couple on the Blue Jays. All there. Just nice little juiced up numbers if uh, if you like the offerings. All there at CoolBet. Use the promo code WST if you haven't played a CoolBet before for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 hundred bucks uh Remo only uh one thing left to do and that is uh just basically start counting down the minutes and hours to puck drop in about five and a half hours from now yeah I got some time here after this I'll put up the podcast and do some social media stuff but yeah I'll set my PVR and pretty much twiddle my thumbs I'll watch this uh you know, the start of the Tampa Toronto game, but we're just, you know, looking at the clock. Is it 8.30 yet? Is it 8.30? Uh, we want to see what this Golden Knights pregame show is going to be. We're all fired up about that. So um, I don't know what everyone else is going to do. Maybe get my snacks in order. I think
think I got some popcorn, some cheese, some cheese puffs, whatever those are. I got jujubes. Uh, so I'm I'm sad house. I got a double uh, one of a king size Mr. Big that I bought at Seb at like three in the morning a week ago or so, and I have not eaten it. And I figured, you know what, that's going to be that might be a victory bar tonight. Normally, it might be a good uh, time for a victory blizzard over at Nick and Nicky DQ, but they're not going to be open by the time this game ends. Um, we'll cross our fingers. Maybe we don't have overtime. Ah, hell, bring on overtime as long as the road team wins tonight. I think we'll be uh, we'll be all happy. Happy, and here's you know what I need. I'm gonna pick a chatter. Let's go with Jeff Reimer. This one cracked me up. Jeff, well done in the chat. Curious if everyone is back on the Jets bandwagon that had jumped off in February. And as Michael Remus responded, more. So Jeff, well done. Shout out to everyone in the chat today. It has been a hell of a lot of fun. By the way, hit the thumbs up if you haven't already. We've got over 500 people in here. Let's get that to 300 or more. Very simply, Jeff, if you don't mind, send us an email at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com and let us know what the closest local Boston pizza is for you. And we'll hook you up with the $25 gift card that you can uh, come and pick up. We'll let you know when it's ready to go. But uh, again, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. Jeff, we'll hook you up with a uh, the $25 gift card. And we'll do that again tomorrow. Shout out to uh, Jeff Wozny, who was uh, our uh, last winner for uh, the uh, BP. And as I say, BP will be a great place to go tonight. I think I'm going to get together with some of the fellows and roll into one of our local Boston pizzas, jump on that triple play platter, get a couple schooners, and uh, cheer with the rest of the gang to uh, see if the Jets can draw first blood in this series. Here, before we go, i got to give a shout-out to Danimal. Uh, yes! Listener. So you may remember, Danimal, uh, months ago at the skills competition, gave Billy Hainala the picture of him wearing the chain that said bones on it. Uh, with a picture of Rick Bonus. Well, Danimal made a special delivery to me today. And Hus, I got one of these for you. The your very own bones chain. Oh hell yes. So we'll you can rock this at the uh street party, at the game, going out. So I'll see you later this week. And uh okay, I, I'm just gonna hold on a sec, I gotta toss someone Look. into the chat here. Oh, listen, in the middle of the chain demo, yeah. uh, throwing over the top rope. Nicely done. Um, I can't wait for the Danimal. That is excellent. And, uh, yeah, throw it on, Reem. Let's get it I'll on throw there. it on. I'll, I'll be at game six or game four with my dad. You think my dad, I'll give this one to my dad to wear, I think. Oh, you know what? Your dad would look awesome. <laughs> awesome in a bones chain like that. And, uh... I'll be there at all the games. I'm going to be upstairs for in 316 for games one and two, or games three and four, I guess. And assuming we have a game six, we'll be down in 206 for that one. Um, but yeah, we'll get our hands on it, and uh, we'll see what happens. I'm considering a few things for this series, depending on what happens yeah. tonight. Um, yeah, did you have any declarations you want to make no, about no, tonight's no, game? No, no, no declarations. You're no not declarations. Make any... No takes, no takes. I'll, I've said them off air to you. We'll see what happens tomorrow. And uh, as I say, I'm feeling good. I think we've got the optimism back around the Jets. They certainly have got it together when they, they did get it together when they needed to. Now the big question is whether they can keep that rolling into game number one. And 
you know, get a win, get a split, come back to absolute mayhem in Winnipeg on Saturday afternoon with that 3 p.m. game. I'd love to tell you to go and pick up tickets. They're all sold out. The street parties apparently are sold out as well. So wherever you're at, if you're not already counted in for one of those games, start making plans. But uh, worry about that come Saturday because tonight, 837, the puck will drop on game one between the Jets and the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, free Ule, poor Free Oleg got bounced from the uh, front over the well, top Well, this guy rope. comes in, like it was a joke, like one time some guy came in for marbles and started writing, you know, it was two years ago, wrote exclamation mark marbles a million times, and I I, I booed him. If, now you it's like spam an inside the chat, joke. if you spam the chat, you get so, thrown over the top rope. This guy comes in like, you know, it's funny seeing a guy, you know, with the name Free Oleg come in and write exclamation mark marbles. But like, I kept just timing him out. So he'd come back and do it. But like, I, I'm done. Like, you're banned. Create a new It's not a lifetime feed. ban, Oleg, but uh, stop triggering Remus. He's busy. He's got more important things to do than yeah. kick you out of the chat and throw you over the top rope and turn our chat into a freaking Royal Rumble each and every day. As Jeff Reimer said, if you were off the bandwagon, you're back on right now. And uh, I'm I'm really hoping well, we'll have a fired-up chat tomorrow with uh, a great game to talk about and uh, and hopefully a win. But again, it is a best-of-seven series. We'll learn a lot about this, that, a lot about both these teams tonight and the matchups. But win or lose, it is just the beginning, and we can guarantee you that the Whites will be out in downtown Winnipeg on Saturday and on Monday. Yeah, we should have oh, Murat's on tomorrow. He's in Vegas, and Sean Reynolds will be on the broadcast. He said he should be good, but we'll have to confirm tomorrow. I'm sh- hopefully he can uh, fit us in with what's going on down there. So, yeah, we'll be full uh, recap here, and um, well, I'm looking forward to tonight. <laughs> Here's a good comment from Brass Balls Blake. Puck drop at 37 minutes past the hour. Coincidence? I never, <laughs> I never thought about that. That's a good one. Blake, it's too bad I already gave out the uh, the comment of the day because yeah. that, uh, you you came in with a strong, strong, strong. Uh, contender uh, for it. Anyways, gang, we got to get these pods up. We want people to uh, be able to uh, get the audio version of the show before puck drop tonight. And it is a little bit late, but I guess selfishly gives people a couple extra hours to listen to Fresh WSD before the game. Yes. So we will take it. Um, but join us tomorrow. Thanks to everyone that's been. If you came in late, if you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button and make sure to join us Monday to Friday, 1 o'clock p.m. And um, if you're new around here, this isn't just for the playoffs. We're grinding out days. I don't know how many. What episode is this today, Remo? We had 500 about a month ago. What are you, about 525 now? Something like Five. that? 531 531 so let me just double shit. i mean does it really matter if it's five no it doesn't care. matter that's sort of right. bottom line is we're here every day monday to friday at one o'clock uh, if you're getting the audio podcast it'll be ready in time for your drive home in and around 3 30 p.m and win or lose tomorrow will be here win or lose this series will be here and in fact some of our biggest shows last year were in the off season and i don't think that's going to change this year as well but all systems go for the Jets in the playoffs. we got to wait a couple days for a whiteout here in Winnipeg, but tonight the puck drops just after 37 past 8, as Brass Balls Blake just mentioned in the chat. So uh, wherever you're watching the game tonight, enjoy it with friends and family. We'll uh, hopefully have a uh, great game to talk about tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We will have Marat. We'll hopefully have Rennie as well. We'll hear from Rick Bonus and 
everyone else in and around the series. And we'll break it down tomorrow for you at 1 o'clock p.m. And, of course, get ready for Game 2 of all the series that started off last night. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Thanks to everyone that's been with us. Another huge show today. And a huge thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Enjoy the game tonight, y'all. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 p.m., right here on WST. Oh, my God! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.